Today's episode is sponsored by Alone in the Dark. The highly anticipated new reimagination by Pieces Interactive and THQ Nordic. Play as Edward Carnby or Emily Hartwood to explore your environments, fight monsters, solve puzzles, and uncover the true secret of Dorsetto Manor. Our favorite heroes are brought to life by Hollywood stars Jodie Comer of Killing Eve and David Harbour of Stranger Things, who lend not only their voices, but their appearance and their formidable acting skills to the brave protagonists. Experience a deep psychological story that goes beyond the realms of the imaginable, all dreamed up by Mikhail Hedberg, cult horror writer of Soma and Amnesia. The team at Pieces Interactive is supported by monster designer and legendary Guillermo del Toro collaborator Guy Davis, as well as doom jazz legend Jason Conan, who provides his eerie and haunting melodies for the right atmosphere. Alone in the Dark is available March 20th on PS5, Xbox Series XS, and PC. Pre-order your copy now and escape into the dark. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Welcome to Nightlight, our home movie podcast. I'm one of your host, Prince, also known as Head Night Alongside me. We got Freddie. Always Kim that's poopy. Always and forever, also known as Nighty Night. We are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down, discuss the ultimate question. Why horror? So with the lights, sit back and let the darkness envelop you. If you like that and want extra horror-related content, head over to patreon.com slash nightlightpod. That's night with a one. K. And continuing things with RG. Thanks, Dad. Month. <laughs> it's a... Uh, this has been a, an interesting month. We've we've seen yeah. an interesting set of films. A good amount of uh, wide range films. Yeah, we've we've had one about a killer dad, <laughs> which oh, yeah. was which was interesting. Uh, we have one with a dad who very much loved his child, but he was a fuck up. Yes, quite the fuck up. But then we had one that was a completely just ignorant father, just straight up. He was just ignorant, and it took him a, a zombie apocalypse. To finally love his daughter. <laughs> he didn't see the value in what she had to run in front of him. Exactly. Yeah. Now, we're going to be covering one where it's a, a complete devoted father. Completely devoted. Well, no one kid. Completely devoted. <laughs> to he actually talks about it. Right? <laughs> at least he's awesome. Good. We have just this one. But before we get to that. I got to give a special shout out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash nightlightpod. That's night with the K. Kate, Kayla, Philip, Zachary, Nashia, Frank, Kristen, Lizzie, Josh, Vaughn, Alexis, Johnny, Layla, Eric, Kelly, Daniel, Cheyenne, David, also known as Nightly, Gary, Stu, Anna, Stephanie, Calvin, Drew, Patrick, oh, Willow, Jessica, Jarrett, Jasmine, Chantal, Rio, Jesse, Joe, Kaylee, Rob, last but certainly not least, 
Freddy. Thank you so much. We for love you. supporting us and the dream. All right, I'm just going to announce it right fucking now. Announcement corner. Announcement corner. Announcement corner. Corner of announcements. Corner of announcements. You probably want to huh. make sure that you are signing up for that $5 tier or higher. Or join a free trial. We give you seven days to do this. Because all of next month is going to be Ghoulish Nights Selects Month. You heard that right, folks. It's going to be Ghoulish Nights Selects. That means that our Ghoulish Nights over on Patreon.com slash NightlightPod. It's not with a K. Okay. <laughs> are going to be choosing all of the films that we are going to be talking about and discussing for the whole entire month. <gasps> not just at the end of the month, but for the entirety of the month, which is very fucking exciting to me. That's awesome. <laughs> it's pretty great. So I'm very excited to see what type of films that they choose. Um, of course, it, it is a bit of a, just to make sure it's not a wild house, um, I have chosen <laughs> two films in order for them to choose from. However, they will be selecting those films that we are going to be discussing. We got some crazy films that are like fucking Alien versus Predator versus Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> What? So let's see what happens. <laughs> Sounds like fight night. I this like is, it. This is yeah. This is gonna be fight to the absolute death right here. But with that being said, another announcement that we want to give as well is that we are going to be at Midsummer Scream. Ah! I'm very excited to go to Midsummer Scream. This is gonna be our very first con appearance for Nightlight, which is gonna be exciting. So yeah. Hopefully we see some of you there. Um, Midsummer Scream is going to be at Long Beach at the end of July. I think July 28th to the 30th. Um, but we will be there for the entire weekend. Um, I personally will be hosting um, the Slumber Party, uh, which is going to be held on Saturday night, I believe. <laughs> but I'm going to be doing that with uh, Shelby Scott from Scary to Sleep and also um, Vanessa Decker from uh, Hello Horror, also known as the Horror Vixen on Twitter. So, yeah. So, should be a lot of fun. Very, very excited about that. But without further ado, the film that we are going to be discussing tonight is none other than James Wan's Death Sentence. <sighs> Freddie, first and foremost, sir, thoughts? Oh, man. Okay. So, for probably people who've heard the show for a while or see me on Twitter, you know I love myself some James Wan. Mm -hmm. James Wan's one of my favorite directors. Throw it on a crack. He's great. I love his continuous shots. I love how he uses the camera. I love how it just pans in, zooms out. He loves to play really well with Surprised the camera. you didn't say his editing. Well, his editing is great too. <laughs> yeah. But I love it when the, the camera movement is part of the... It becomes a character of its own. Yeah. And you could definitely see moments like that in this movie, too. Uh, the big one was when he was running away. He's in the parking lot scene. Fuck, dude. That's and how one the, of the best chase scenes. Dude, the way it goes to different levels, the camera literally pulls back out of the building, goes down, and then goes back into the building to show the so other characters. Cool. And then like, just moves around. So, like, yeah, it's, it's rad. It's I like love fluid. seeing that kind of stuff. I was like, Mwah, this is the shit I love. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm huge on Malignant. <laughs> I will die on that hill. This is a masterpiece of a movie. You, do, you um, do love your Malignant. I love his storytelling. I love the characters that he has in it. Um, with this movie, uh, with Death Sentence, oh, it's my least favorite movie he's made. Really? To be honest. Why is this? Um, the dialogue is really bad. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the action sequences are barely poorly made in my opinion really yeah oh, uh, there's a lot of scenes in here where i'm just like oh 
this is probably some of his earlier work, I'm assuming. And it is. It kind of shows a little bit too. It's very, I don't want to use the word messy, but it kind of is. I think that's what I like about it. Yeah, but it's like, there's a scene that like really pissed me off. <laughs> and I don't know why I was, I think. Fuck you, James Wander. No. <laughs> and I think it's because I have such high expectations with James Wander already. Uh, and I know what he's capable of and what he has made so in the past. So did you like Dead Silence? I like Dead Silence, yeah. Okay. I don't think it's his best work too, but it's still a really good movie. Sure. With this, it just seemed like a different director that had moments of his director style in it. So I okay. saw what he's capable of in okay. some of the scenes that made me smile. Like that scene I talked about earlier with the, the parking lot. I was like, yeah, this is what I like. Uh-huh. Um, I think Kevin Bacon's worst performance I've ever seen on screen. I mean, it's a low budget. Um, well, it's not that low of a budget, but it's a, it's a... But the performance itself, like the way he was running away and kept on turning back and like looking around and like stumbling and falling into things. I'm like, why? Stop looking back. Just run forward. Go straight. Scrawny dad. Why are you like looking around? Like, where do I go? I'm throwing my briefcase. What are you doing? Like, you like he was throwing his briefcase to run faster. It made no sense. Juice. No, he's like, I'll stop, look around, throw the briefcase, still look around, then run, but run into things. Stop, he threw it while he was running. Uh He chucked it. He chucked it, but you can see in that scene, they could easily have caught up with him and shot him several times. And I'm just like, for sure. I don't know what's going on, but. Um, I'm a big like uh, Paul Greengrass fan as well. With like um, the Born Ultimatum was one of the first films we did in film class. We mm-hmm. broke down like chase scenes and see where like characters are in their respected places. We kind of show how close they are to the action, but still further away from like being caught. Mm-hmm. And this is like it just lacked that thrill or that grittiness that I really wanted from it. Mm-hmm. But I would say the third act won me over a lot. Okay. This was a little bit more action packed. And I was like, oh, you guys went there. Like, you're blowing fucking people's legs off and shit. That was great. Sure. And yeah. I think that was where, like, the movie really highlighted. I liked the invasion scene in the home as well, which was kind of dark. But I was like, you guys went there too. Yeah. There are moments Fair. that surprised me. I think this movie is still good. It it's is just, just my least, least favorite, favorite of James Wan. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, which I don't blame him because, yeah, this is his earlier work. Yeah. Um, you can see how much he's progressed over the years, too. But because I had such high expectations, I think that's where the movie kind of made me mad. Because I'm like, this is not the James Wan I know. But this was the beginning of the James Wan I know. So that's also a great foundational right. film to have. Yeah. Um, great story. But at the same time, like, I've seen the story before. I've seen, like, Four Brothers. I've seen the Revenge Flicks. Like, oh, the Punisher movies. Mm. Like, yes. Or even, like, you can even talk about, like, um, I forget what it's called. Uh, Kill Bill. Like, mm-hmm. we've all seen the revenge films, like, you killed my family, now I'm going to kill you type of storyline. Well, I, I have a theory that that's what, one of the reasons why this movie did so poorly, is because there were so many of them at that time. Yeah, and and I, I feel like I've seen it done so much better, mm-hmm. whereas, like, that also, like, puts this movie down for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's it, it works for what it is. Um, I don't see myself really going back and watching it. Sure. But I still had fun with it. It was still cool. Um, there's probably a lot to discuss about in this film, so we're going to be really happy to break it down. Um, but you might yeah, even have just, a change of heart. You never huh? know. You might even have a change of heart. You never know. Uh, I doubt it, but <laughs> I, I do know. appreciate you the movie know. for what it is. You never know. Yeah. Yeah, well, I love this movie. 
I think this movie is fantastic. Um, this is the James Wan I know. You know, so like this is the James Wan I've pretty much uh, come to know and love. Uh, I mean, I started with James Wan with Saw. You know, yeah. so like I, I didn't, I, I know a lot of a, a lot of folks who are kind of, uh, not probably our age, but who are getting into the genre fairly new. Probably was The Conjuring was probably James Wan that they know, right? Um, but for me, I started with Saw, then I went from Dead Silence. I watched Death Sentence when it came out, and Dead Silence when they came out because those came out in the same year. Um, good for him. That's yeah, that's good. That's huge. So you know, so for so for me. In all three of those films, simultaneously, same editing style, same grit, same like color correction, same you know. So like for for me, like I was like, this is this is my James Wan, you know. And when he did Insidious and The Conjuring things like that, you can tell this was a new style. He learned mm-hmm. different stuff, right? He he matured, right? I would say, and budgets increased a lot. Of course, exactly. So like you know, he he matured a bunch. He was able to hire more people on his team and stuff like that, um, or studios were, whatever. Um, but for me, it was those three for me. Like Saw, Dead Silence, Death Sentence, those will always forever be my, like, James Wan tier. Like, forever. Um, and they kind of go in that order, I guess. Um, like, I love Dead Silence a shit ton. I love Dead Silence. I love that, like, to me, he was kind of the... I wouldn't say he's the one who like coined the contact lenses of the of ghosts and stuff like that, um, because that that's a big thing in like Malaysia and um, Indonesia and and kind of like that that side of like Asian horror, right. um, because of just their lore, you know. So it's it's not like he's the one who kind of made this and coined this, but I think he's the one who made it very popular in the in the states. I will say that, um, but. Yeah, for me, I love this movie. Will I watch it again? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's a fucking movie. I love this movie. I think this movie is just so much fun, and, and it just has so much grit and and willingness to to be edgy, um, and not just for being for edge's sake. Like like this movie, I feel like came out at a very poor time um, as well. Because there were a lot of revenge films like during this time that were yes better. I will admit, right. yeah, Kill Bill. Fuck yeah, dude. This is way, way better. Absolutely. I would definitely say watch Kill Bill versus Death Sentence. <laughs> absolutely. Um, but uh, I don't think Four Brothers is better than this, though. I will I will say that. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I But that's mainly because I I personally think Mark Wahlberg is one of the worst actors. Now. I don't like him as an actor, too, to be honest. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's just me. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I will say, I will agree that I don't think this was Kevin Bacon's best role, which is probably why we haven't seen him in a role. It sort made of me like question if he was a good actor. It was. I was like, it made me question if he was a, if he is a good actor. I'm like, I mean, like, what other Kevin Bacon's I things? I started like going through and I was like, he's Kevin not like this, right? In other movies? That are great. I don't know. I like, I've seen Footloose. It's a movie. This movie made um, me want to go through a Kevin, um, Kevin Bacon's just watch like Tremors over and Trem- over and Tremors over. Tremors is great. Tremors is great. Yeah, is he great? He's great in it. He's actually he really good. Is he? Yeah, yeah, he plays the role very well. Yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's fine. I think you the know? movie's just crazy. But I, I agree. Yeah. I agree with this here though as well with you. Where I I think his performance is kind of whatever, um, and and his son's performance is kind of whatever too. Yeah. 
the but, dialogue. Oh my yeah, God. dialogue. The dialogue even, like, the is cop. a bit rough. Like, what do you mean arrest Kevin Bacon's character right now? What are you even talking about? Like, oh, he's oh, out. He's going to go to war. Come on, I'm like, man. come on, stop, stop this. He's white. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, uh, Garrett Hedlund's character to me, fucking fantastic. John Goodman's character, the little bits that we got. Yeah, I wish he was a good more. He was really good. He was great. Um, great villain. And I, I love Garrett, and I love John. Their performance to me was fantastic. I thought Aisha Taylor was uh, also a little stale as well, but um, was a huge fan of them. Uh, the gore, amazing. Yeah, amazing. It, you know, I it was exactly what I wanted. They from this, took risks, but in this movie, yeah, for sure. they did. They, they did. go places where I'm like, cool. Yeah, yeah. and for for him, you to are rated get, R. Nice. Yes, yeah. yes, you are. Uh, for him, for James Wan to get three films for his first films to be original movies. Pretty great. Even though Jetsons technically isn't an original movie. There was a a movie that came out in the 70s. So in some ways, it's kind of a remake. Not even really a remake. Just kind of like a a reimagining, I guess. Because the first one that came out was called Death Wish, which was 1974, which was made from a book of the same name. Right. Um, that came out in the 70s. Never remade well. with Bruce Willis. Yeah, and then it was remade again with Bruce Willis. Exactly. Which came out a year after this. So. <laughs> oh, man. See, I'm like looking on the um, letterbox right here, and immediately it has like movies I just said. Like, so we talked about Death Wish. I said Punisher, Four Brothers, mm-hmm. uh, Peppermints with Jennifer Gardner. Uh, Never seen it. Uh, History of Violence. Yeah. Um, the second Punisher. There's faster. There's John Wick. There's all these revengeful. Like it's the same movies over and over again. Damn it. Yeah, it is. Um, and I. That's why I'm not the biggest John Wick fan, is because it, it's the same thing over and over. But and they over reinvent again. it. I'd see the same thing over and over again. That's why I, I don't fair. I don't rush out to see John Wick. Me personally, I do. I enjoy it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do. I do. I have fun all with right. John Wick. I do. Um. But that's the reason why I don't rush out to go see them. Because uh, you're right. They're the same thing over and over again. We've seen them time and time and time again. Will they stop? Absolutely not. Look how no. many John Wicks they've made. Yeah. <laughs> it's already pre-production for uh, John Wick 5. Exactly. So right on. it's not stopping anytime soon. And I'm not going to be the person to say, hey, you should stop this. Because <laughs> it's making fucking money. Keep doing it. But anyway, let's go and jump into this. Let's do it. Destins, directed by James Wan, released August 31st of 2007 with a runtime of one hour and 45 minutes with a budget of $20 million in a box office where it did not meet the quiet mark of $17 million and a rating of 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So didn't do great in the box office. Didn't do great with critics either. This was definitely a cult film. Um, Mm -hmm. Like it found its... uh, I guess it's group of people um, later down the line for sure. Um, But we open to some old family videos of the Hume family on Christmas morning opening their presents. The father, Nick, is teaching his son, Brandon, how to hit a hockey puck with his new stick and teaching his other son, Lucas, how to ride a bike with his wife, Helen. Um, who films them. The years jump as they all get older, Brendan becoming the golden child and eventually becoming MVP on his high school's hockey team. The home videos continue into present day inside Nick's office. One of his coworkers knocks on his window to bother him. Nick complaining about there being um, 
that that they're being in order looking looking right at you you need you uh excuse me i wrote that incorrectly nick complaining about there being order looking right at you when you believe it isn't there his peers confused it took me a while to figure out this guy's fucking name <laughs> his name's owen Oh, but like it took uh, me a long time. I was like, "What is his name?" <laughs> I can't figure you it out. You it to me right now. <laughs> um, but Owen is confused and shrugs it off as Nick asks uh, what he needs. Uh, uh, he hands he hands Nick over a file about someone who worked there at Starfish for six years and he didn't have a family, wanting to roll his pension back into the fund to make things easier. Nick hands it back to him. The, off, the office worker smacks his lips, not wanting to file with the state. Nick explains the reason behind them filing with the state. The office worker, or Nick, or Owen, um, agrees that they need to cover their asses, apologizing to Nick. Nick rebuts that they are su- just supposed to do their job and and right by their co-worker who had passed away. He asks Nick about uh, what he what he was talking about earlier, Nick shares that their insurer spent $300,000 on a new model, field data, and society, asking who was the ideal employee, who dies, how, and when, sending it over to them to show how great of a job that, how great of a job that um, they are doing. Saying that people with kids live longer than people without. People with, Hmm. with two live longer than with one. I beg to fucking differ, my <laughs> dude. You know what I'm saying? It's like, so, this kid's called me every single day. <laughs> I beg to differ. I got another gray hair because of this kid. Uh, yeah. I'm one day closer to death. <laughs> God damn it. I have more kids. I'm going to die sooner. <laughs> You're trying to kill me. Smoke and speeding, deaths in the family, divorce is bad. He takes off his glasses thinking that this is nice to see that's, that's still true. His co-worker leaves out of the room joking that he's the, he's the one with the perfect kids. Cut to Lucas calling Brennan a kiss ass as his mom calls him off and this is very like I, like like you said with the, the dialogue right very 2000s dialogue very aggressive it is very aggressive like, like they, yeah, they're, they're, they're not nice that you lo- yeah yeah it's like which we kind of get a little understanding it's like you're living in your brother's shadows yeah yeah it's like which sucks which he does believe that they love you more than me it seemed like it yeah and it's weird because his character kind of says like, yeah, but you were you and I love you for who you are. I'm like, but you just agreed like, yeah, I wish you were him. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. But we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. We'll get there. Uh, Brendan mocks uh, that, that he was born with these skills as Lucas wants to be excused from the table. They call each other names. Ellen is telling them both to stop pushing Brendan's shoulder, telling him that, that he should know better. He doesn't. She goes back inside the kitchen, suggesting for them to be a family. Lucas asks if he can say no. She tells him no. <laughs> he bangs on the table, demanding emancipation and wanting a lawyer. Okay. All right. Yeah, get your emancipation done. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, fuck this family. Brennan <laughs> hits him in the back of the head to shut up. Nick comes in the door, greeting his family, wondering if he missed dinner. Helen tells him that, that he didn't and that she'll heat up some food while giving him a kiss. Brendan needs his dad to give him a ride into the city on Saturday. He questions this. Brendan asking uh, that it's an exchange or explains that it's an exchange game and, and he's first line again. Nick congratulates his son, thinking that Waldron must love him. Lucas speaks up, sarcastically agreeing while calling him a kiss ass. Nick plays along, wondering if they are all, um, if they are all going. Helen tells him no because Lucas has soccer. Lucas acknowledges, sharing that he's um, that he's not starting. His brother cuts him off that he should kiss more ass or not suck <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> Lucas fair. Phil, uh, flips him off Nick barks them off each other 
Brendan calls him an idiot, Nick telling him not to call him that, while mentioning that he's he has a loyal and loving brother. Lucas, who I'm going to refer to as Luke because they do, changing that to, quote, a loving and loyal kiss-ass, end quote. Nick has pleads for them to all be civilized before he kills somebody. They get up from the table with a bit, with a bit more name-calling toward each other. He calls Luke back to gather his plate. He hands his, he hands his to his mother as his brother wrestles uh, as his brother... <laughs> This is fucking stupid. As as he wrestles his little brother up to their rooms. It's just like, like come here. Uh, fuck off. Twerp. Like, <laughs> it's like mm. siblings. It's it you could definitely tell like this was written by someone who didn't have a sibling. <laughs> like what do siblings do? They fight like this sometimes. It's a little cringy, but it's okay. Yeah. It's, it's to show the relationship that they they fight but they love each other. Sure, right, exactly. Like cool. you sold it. Like, kind of. like, yeah. His 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 older brother Brendan definitely cares about him. Right. You know, like they both can, love each tell. other. It's just like it's rivalry love. Yeah, sibling rivalry. Yeah. Exactly. Nick clears his, clears the rest of the table. Ellen commenting about what he miss what he misses when he doesn't come home. Him finding uh, finding that to be fine as long as they they aren't throwing f- any food at each other. You can punch each other in the face. As soon as you throw food, last straw. Get out of the house. Emancipation real quick. (laughs) During Brendan's hockey match, he scores the winning goal as his father cheers him on in the stands. They're driving back home as Nick is congratulating and complimenting him. (laughs) To me, this shit was funny as fuck. (laughs) Brendan brings up how some of his his friends have been talking about going to Canada for college. Nick comments on that being far. Brendan says that he he still has Luke. Nick jokes about it, telling Brendan to lighten up. And Brendan wasn't like, cool at all with that he was just like wow yeah. fuck you dad like what what was that about that wasn't cool at all <laughs> asking about um asking about if he's talking about professional hockey finding that to be risky brendan sarcastically asks if this is coming for from his extensive sports background nick responds <laughs> it is response. from his extensive risk assessment background <laughs> brendan um but i love this context though because this context just goes to show that the kind of guy he is. Well, that and he the fact that... He doesn't take many risks. Well, He's a very calculated individual. Yes, but the fact that Nick was never a sports guy. He just right. wanted his son to be this... this to live through him a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Yeah, maybe yeah. he wanted to be um, do sports and maybe it didn't work out. And he's right. having pawning this off to his son to he do sports. He knows like this is what correlates as the golden child and this my kid. He won the score, whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, so that like, putting his dreams onto his kids. Exactly. So yeah. like you know he he d- didn't get to have this this moment, and and the way that Kevin Bacon's character is built, Nick, he's not built in in a sense to where he would be a sports person, right? right. Like he's very scrawny, um, very business esque, exactly. Attire always like always wearing a suit. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. There, there, it was a few moments where you don't see him without a suit. This one being one of them, but like always in a suit, but. Yeah, like it, he, you can tell he's just like not that his guy. Kids like in the business aspect as well. It's like this, you doing this is a success for me through you. If that makes sense, yeah. He's he's a man of success, right? And he has pride in that as well. Yeah, and he does. Obviously, we see that he does care very heavily and loves him very much. I but, mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the whole movie is pretty much about this dude being a little. 
over devoted. <laughs> but I mean, how can you not? Right. It's your and that's the thing. Kids. Like it seems like the roles are a little reversed, where the kid should idolize the dad, but he kind of idolizes him as like you're the perfect kid. Oh yeah, and that was taken away from me. So fuck the world. Right. <laughs> yeah. Brendan calls the calls his life boring as two muscle cars come barreling in front of them with their lights off. As they are talking about the co- their college plans, Nick notices that their lights are off, signaling them to turn their lights back on by flashing his on and off. Because of this movie, I never do that. That's fair. Like literally because of this movie, I like that was the first rule I took into driving. And I remember in college, one of my one of my uh, buddies, Daryl, shouts out to Daryl. Um, he was like, he was like, bro, like flash the lights. I'm like fuck that, hell no, man. You never seen Death Sentence? You like, I don't know what that is. I'm like, Psh, you should. They're like, like yeah. my ass driving. You know what I'm saying? Like, because you never know. You never know. Like, gangs do sometimes use that shit as an initiation, or it's just right. like that's how they random randomly pick their victim. Whoever is the first person to flick their lights onto them, they might fo- follow you. Nah, I'm good. Nah, you driving with your lights off? That's on you, my player. <clears throat> I let the police deal with it. <laughs> they they fly past them. Uh, Brendan bringing his attention back, wondering what's he thinking. He thinks that they can look uh, look into it, pleading for him not to tell his mother. Brendan chuckles that he won't. He wouldn't. The cars uh, the cars come back and cut them off, blocking them before speeding off and turning down the street. He continues looking for the expressway before its gas light comes on. You could have gone a little bit longer, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Then we could have gone. Like, why are you driving with miles. that low gas too? Like you should put that Not after really. like a quarter left, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, it. I, I. What I did find interesting. This dude supposedly is loaded. The kind of car he's driving did not make it seem like that. Right. <laughs> it was like a Toyota that was beat up to shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They pull in, into a gas station, but one of them pumps. Uh, one of the pumps is out of order, so he pulls up to another one. Brendan gets out of the car. Nick wondering where he's off to. He mentions that he needs his fluids. <laughs> so funny that he calls fucking slushies fluids. Yeah. <laughs> Nick allows him to go inside, wanting him to uh, to be quick so they can get back home. He walks inside the shop, and uh, while Nick, which was also funny to me because it was just like, "Be quick! You're literally pumping gas." Like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like we have no choice but to wait. Um, Nick allows him to go inside, or excuse me, he walks inside the shop while Nick calls Helen, leaving her a voicemail about their son going to Canada to play hockey. He starts joking that he dropped Brendan off at the airport, and they may never, but they never, but they may never hear from him again. Oof. Damn, bro. Future context. Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing. He hangs up as he, as he hears someone arguing, and he gets a, a better look at his surroundings. Two muscle cars pull up. Uh, two two of the same muscle cars pull up and hop out hop out with their shotguns drawn, but he doesn't notice. But bursting into the convenience store, demanding the clerk to get the fuck down and or he'll blow his head off. Britton tries to move out of the way as they point the gun at him, yelling that he's he's uh, his man. The cl- the clerk reaches for a gun underneath the counter. They shoot him in the chest. Guess he was reaching for a gun. Mm. Couldn't really tell. He was reaching for something. They point the gun at Brennan as Nick is startled by the gunshot as his attention is turned to the windows. He tries to run inside, running into a running to a car that's trying to get the fuck out of there and fall into the ground. That dude was just like, fuck that. Out of here. The, gu- the gang pump uh, pump up one of their future members, adding Brennan's death to be part of the, his initiation, yelling that, that if he doesn't do it, that um, then he's not one of them. They whisper in his ear, that he can do this, he pulls out a machete, slicing Brendan's throat 
as um, as they egg him on to kill that motherfucker, Joey, end quote. They quickly congratulate him as they all run out of the store, leaving Joey behind, who's still slightly in shock. He tries running out of the store, Nick tackling him and wrestling him for a bit, taking off his mask. He knees Nick in the side and runs out, of, runs out in the middle of the street, yelling out to the gang that left him. He's then proceeded to be struck by a car. <laughs> Nick uh, crawls inside the store to, uh, to check on his son, who's choking on his own blood, screaming for someone to help him as he continues bleeding out. Brutal scene, uh, very effective. This scene very was really well done. Uh, again, talking about like uh, James Wan's camera movement. I love when they first entered the, the gas station. Uh, they have to move like different perspective to the side of the building, so we get that shot of him like in the background. So uh, it's very well layered. We have the car, we have Kevin Bacon's character, and then we have his son inside, and then we can see the events unfold right. Uh, in front of him, essentially. Yeah. So it's great storytelling here, and I thought this scene was really cool. Really cool. Yeah, I mean, this I scene, mean, it's brutal too. The machete, like the yeah. I remember it was dark to say. It's like I rather have seen him get shot, but the machete made it extra brutal and a little bit more like oh, that's yeah. sad. Like that sucks because it was slow. the awful way to go. Yeah, exactly. You it's know, slow. like it was it was slower and and, and you're you choking know. on your own blood and you can't really talk to your dad. Like at right. least give him like the final words to talk to his dad if he's shot or whatever. Yeah, uh, that gets stripped away, and I think the brutality of that works for this movie. Oh yeah, because. It sets, this, up, it sets up the tone consistent. of this film. Yeah. yeah, it definitely sets up the tone for the uh, for this film. And that's not going to hold back. It's right. not going to baby us as a viewer. It's like, hey, you're going to see some stuff that's violent. Y- yeah, and just get used to it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why I thought this this film was a, a definitely an interesting choice uh, for it to be uh, James Wan's fourth film. Um, in 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 reality, I mean. His his first film, a lot of people haven't seen, so we'll just say that this was his third film that was actually popu- popular, or not popular, but mainstream. You know what I mean. Mainstream, yeah. Um, but it's weird because like films like this, like with this sheer brutality of it, like we don't get to see stuff like this that often. And I do, no. I do think it is a comeback happening of films like this, like for Terrifier Two, and right, and right. Um, for us to see see things like like this kind of come back into the fray. The only thing that like made me remember a lot about this movie was Punisher, the first one. Yeah, um, but that had a little bit of the brutality into it. Yeah, uh, it that did. one doesn't really hold back as well. Yeah, um, I love Punisher. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a good. It's I can't say it's like it's a great movie, but it's it's a fun movie. It's really yeah, it good. Is. It does it's exactly what movie. this movie does. Yeah. It's just like it, it's I wouldn't say it's a guilty pleasure because I would I would gladly watch Punisher over yeah. and over again. Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, yeah. that's a lot of fun. Great character, <laughs> Frank Castle. Fantastic cast. Yeah, fantastic yeah. cast. Meanwhile, the gang all drives away, pulling up next to each other, taking off their masks as Bodie yells out for Joe, where Joey is. He's like, where's Joey? <laughs> Joey's brother, Billy, who's in the other car, yells, he's our man now. He could take the subway. <laughs> that was pretty good voice actor, huh? <laughs> he could take the subway like a man or something like that. Yeah, I was like, what? What the fuck are you talking about, dude? You're in the middle of nowhere. Like, Where's the subway? You the- fucking force this kid to, to just literally kill someone, and you're going to force him to now walk home so he could get caught by the police? And then probably <laughs> figure all you guys out? It's like, <laughs> like what the fuck, man? Um, they all laugh as they continue flying down the road. Cut to Nick bringing his son into a hospital, calling out and asking the staff for some help. They spring into action as he frantically shares that someone cut, cut him and that he's his son. Trying to explain 
explain uh, what they are going to do to his son as a nurse stops him from going inside. He's in, he's still in shock, holding back tears and whimpering that he'll be okay. Helen and Luke make it to the hospital, inaudibly going up to the front desk and and then spotting her husband. The doctor comes out of the out of the back, telling them the bad news about their son not making it. She drops to the floor, screaming in sheer emotional pain as Nick holds her and Luke watches. Man. You know what I love the most about this scene? That everyone's still just doing their job. Yeah. No one gives a fuck. <laughs> like, like life. I'm sure they they like are like constantly seeing stuff like this. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I I would only I can only imagine how like an it's ER amount of nurse, realism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like and they're just like this is this is a Tuesday, you know. Yeah. For them it's a Saturday, but like, it's like you know, now they have to just reprioritize the people who are living who need help. Right. Like, hey, he's gone. That's all we could do. Yeah. Next. It's time yeah, it's time for us to yeah. to hop on and and talk to someone who uh actually needs help saving, you right. know, at this point, right? Um but let me see if I can find the name of this composer. Yeah. Charlie Klauser. Uh, because the music in this is very interesting. Like it's, it felt very like malignant. Where it's like, there's a lot of needle drops that comes out of nowhere, and it's music that doesn't really belong in the movie. I'm just right. like, all right, like, I feel like they make fun of that in Malignant with movies that do this. Yeah, maybe. Um, or at least they're very self aware about it. It's like, hey, we're being ridiculous to be ridiculous sake, but there's like music <laughs> in here. I'm just like, this does not fit at all. Yeah. There's like some weird, like, piano playing. It's like, yeah. well, no, it no. It for this film. It, it does. It, I mean, it, it gives the one, film like. character. Well, it, it gives the film, film a melancholy. It doesn't belong in the the scene at yeah. all. Well, well, in this scene, it's like the it's like the uh, the uh, harmonizing, right? Yeah, it, it, yeah. it's like the. This ah, <laughs> like, yeah, but what it, what is it's always funny because weird. you could tell that the music's playing because in most movies it's just part of the story. Yeah, but this is like they show their presence when they play stuff like this because it's like. Oh, I did not expect it. Sure, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I guess that works. It it's kind of like one of those ones, like okay, sure. It gives it melancholy for yeah. sure. Uh, I, I mean, in in Charlie Clauser has has done so many different things. Like he's he's been composing and remixing and and and, and uh, producing for years. Like he produced with Trent Reznor for on Nine Inch Nails for like mm. almost like eight years or something crazy like that. So like this dude's been around for a while and like he knows what he's doing, you know. So but um, when it comes to certain films, like. He started with James Wan. That was his first film that oh, he composed awesome. with, which was Saw. And from there, he he's since then he's done every single Saw. Yes, he has. Um, Let's see that right but here. since then, he did Dead Silence. Films. He did Death Sentence um, as well. So, so like for him, this, and I think that's why I have such a soft spot for this because all of those three films that were James Wan's his first start all had these. They all kind of had these uh, uh, these uh, very melancholy tones to them, right? You know, so it was it, it's super interesting. But no, this dude's this dude's resume is fucking huge, huge. This guy's worked on so many things. He's worked with Marilyn Manson, Rob Zombie, White Zombie for, uh, for Rob Zombie's band. Like he, he's done he's done everything. Dude's nuts. But anyway. <laughs> Good, good, to, good to hear him. <laughs> good to hear your voice. Uh, they bring they bring him in the lineup of six of six people for Nick to point out. He calls out that it's number five confidently. Detective Wallace comes up behind him, telling him how um, how 
how does he know? He calls Joe a kid. He, she calls him a runt. And he's tw- and he's almost twenty three. The family bury their son slash brother in the in the pouring rain as they watch his casket lower. Back at home, Nick is sitting on um on the bed, mentioning that they are having a a, a petrol hearing, a pretrial hearing, excuse me, um, tomorrow, and they want they want him to make a statement. Helen doesn't respond as Luke stands in the doorway. He asks if she would like to go with him. She shakes her head, allowing him to go wanting to put that quote-unquote animal in jail. He continue, He comments on that being what, what the cops called him. Um, he comments on that being uh, why the cops called him. She asks if he's going to take off his clothes. Um, he gets up without a word and begins undressing. Uh, Luke leaves back into his, his room, sighing as he lies on his bed. Do you mind closing the windows a little bit? Sorry, it's a little bit more noisy down there now. Uh, Nick gets back back in bed. Helen sharing that the school wants to do a, a memorial at the next game. He comments on that being nice nice of them. She brings his she grabs his hand, crying about um, about to say something, but she begins to sob into his chest. Luke gets out of bed, sneaking around uh, to his late brother's room. Nick here, and this is later, right? Like they're they're all asleep now, or except for Nick. Nick hears him and looks up as Luke turns on Brendan's light and looks at a picture of the two of them, sobbing as he stares at the picture. This one broke my fucking heart, though, dude. Yeah. Like, the last thing he probably did with his brother was, like, to call him a kiss ass. <laughs> right, you know? Like, this, right. th- that, to me, was so much harder from, from a sibling standpoint because you're just like, this is the only person that I officially grew up with, like, not someone who was necessarily there to teach me anything or do anything. Like he was literally my friend. Exactly. And that was taken away from me. That's the nice thing about this movie. It does have its very sentimental moments and yeah, they seem authentic that they actually do really care for each other. Right. Yeah. And I like that we get to see a a longer grieving process in film, right? Because like we don't get to, we don't get to see like you brought up the example of four brothers. We have a grieving process in four brothers, like they, they, you know, they move in, and then we have that scene of her in the house, or her like, I guess, their imagination in the house, and her telling them to close the mouse when they're eating or whatever. Um, it's a dinner <laughs> table scene, but after that, we immediately go into revenge mode. It's like, oh, let's yeah. get these motherfuckers, Donnie. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Mark Wahlberg, oh, yeah. Marky Mark, coming out and wanting to do shit, um, and kill people. But yeah. like, for this one, we don't, we don't get a lot of that. One movie that I would say does this. Uh, I wouldn't say light years better, but a movie that a lot of people don't talk about. Um, it was with uh, Paul Walker, and I think it was something called like Running at Night or something. I can find out. Uh, find out for me. It was. It's a super fucking running indie scared. One. I think it's running scared, um, it? but it's with Paul him Walker. and. Um, it's with uh, running scared. Wow. Yeah, Vera Farmiga. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but like this, that movie's also super fucking brutal. That could be put in the same context as this, except this was that was about money. But yeah, super interesting stuff though. Nick decides to stay in bed, lying his head back down and allowing his his other son to just grieve. Next day, Michael, the lawyer, uh, mentions that today is easy, and Nick's job is to put the fear of God into Joe, wanting Nick to to. Uh, wanting Nick to 
excuse me, wanting Nick to tell the judge is what I meant to say, uh, what he told him and Wallace, identifying Joey in court, knowing that as soon as he gets his statement, the public defender is going to fold, confident that he'll get a deal and get him in jail today. Nick is confused by by the deal offering, wanting him to go away for the rest of his life. Michael tells him that tells him no. And that he can only get three to five years tops, explaining that this that it is more than than um, trying to get him for ten to life, and he then walks free, questioning if he wants that. Nick responds that he killed his son. Michael shares the evidence of the situation and that he only has one eyewitness, asking if he knows how many cases with only one one witness that he doesn't try to f- uh, try for a deal on. Adding that the machete disappeared and the the only blood they could find was his own. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, you don't got much of a case. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And this gas station didn't have a camera. Uh, and he says it in a different way. He's like, you chose the only gas station in America yeah, without like, a camera to go you to. You literally picked the worst place yeah. ever to try to build a case around. Exactly. Uh, them only going off of his word. That not being bad, bad um, that not being bad if he can scare him into a deal. Because obviously they know your son was murdered. You're the only eyewitness. You're the only your person. Word versus his. Exactly. The only thing we could do is settle. Right. Yeah. Which that sounds very realistic and very scary. Yeah. Yeah. And I For assume any type of parent that would be in this situation. That would suck right. to hear. Yeah. And I assume the only official eyewitness that, that he was probably talking about was the person that hit him with the car. Like that that was probably all that person saw was just like this dude just came out of the middle of the street and I fucking yeah. But that's all I got for you. Like, you know, I, I could confirm that he was probably at the scene. But that's all I got. But yeah. Nick comments that he's using his son's uh, death as as some kind of card trick. Michael chuckles that he's he gets a banger off off the street a year and a year or so. Somebody probably does his job for him. Meaning that he probably is going to die in jail. Joe not um, getting out of getting out of there alive. That's fine with him. He finds God, then that's fine with him. But they get religious and go to trial. The defense will have even more time to prep a better case against them. Using the examples of quote, when was your last eye exam? What do you have against your inner city youth? And how unfair it is uh, for them to grow up so violent? How they're forced uh, into initiation killings and face execution um, themselves. End quote. Asking if he wants the jury feeling sorry for him, Nick stops him asking about initiation killings, believing that this was a robbery. Wallace explains that it only looked like one, and it was initiation to kill someone at random to get made into a gang. Mm. It being the price of admission. Nick trying to understand the reason of Brennan being killed was to allow him allow someone to feel like a man and be a part of a club. Well, when you put it that way, <laughs> he sighs as Michael mentions that uh, this is j- this is a take take it or leave it kind of thing. Inside the courtroom, Michael enters Nick's statement. Judge Saw, uh, Shaw asks if he, if they can enter enter that in hearing. Shout out to Judge Shaw, by the way, because she also plays the same character in Dead Silence, where her character's name is Mary Shaw. She's the ghost in Dead Silence. So I thought that was really, really clever. That was my first viral tweet, by the way, was when I tweeted that no one's pointed this out in Death Sentence, and um, Judge Shaw is Mary Shaw inside of Dead Silence. And I couldn't find it anywhere on the internet to confirm if I was saying bullshit or not. But James Wan retweeted it when he had a Twitter yeah. account. Best day of my life. 
<laughs> Thought that was great. That was yeah. awesome. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, at that time, I had like 100 followers on Twitter, but I thought that was really cool. And I was like, wow, <laughs> this is yes. what it's like. <laughs> he believes uh, he believes if they enter it today, the defense will change their plea to guilty, saving everyone's time. She takes the statement as Nick looks over at Joe, who then looks back at him, pointing his finger like a, um, like a gun at him. I would have wanted to kill that motherfucker right there. I feel like I've seen that scene somewhere. I don't that know where. Scene? Yeah, where he just like looks at him and just like points the gun and like shoots him. I've definitely uh, seen that before. It's happened in real life. Like there I'm was, sure. There was this one kid who I think he he killed I, I'm blanking on his name, but it, or what he did, but I think he did he did murder people. Um and like the families were at the hearing and he took off his like his like his button up t shirt. And on the shirt, it, it just said "killer" on it, and like he was, he was just so, completely heartless. It yeah. was fucked up. It was real fucked up. But horrors of real life. Yeah, man, truly. Shaw calls out to Nick, confirming his statement. He stands up as as she repeats it, uh, repeats if he will testify to uh, to that in a trial. He answers that he answers her that he is not. Everyone is in shock by his answer. <laughs> Including Joe. Joe's like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah, it's like, like, what did like, you say? Uh, shit, all right, fuck yeah, maybe he didn't see me. He explains that it was dark and there there were a lot of them and he can't be sure. She asks Michael if he accepts if he expects to, to obtain evidence other than Nick. He doesn't and she dismisses the case. Nick scowls at Joe, the face of being a killer. Nick grabs his briefcase and walks out as they allow Joe to go free. And I like how uh, Nick leaves first. Yeah, Nick was just like, "Fuck this, I'm out." I was like, "I'm good." Yeah, he was like, "I know what I, I know what I got to do next." He's like, "I know it's all part do. of the plan." Joe walks out, um, walks out uh, of the courthouse. His crew pulling up, cheering and hooting. Nick, uh, Nick watches from across the street as they all hug. Billy is the last one to get to uh, come out of the, out of the car, smoking a cigarette and grabbing Joe by the by the back of his neck, commenting that he's scared. Um, he's scared that mother pretty pretty fucking good, <laughs> and that he's proud of him. Asking him who's the man now before demanding him to get in the car. They all speed away. Nick decides to do the dangerous thing and just follow them. Okay. At least his car is shitty, so it keeps a low profile. <laughs> right? He follows them into the into the hood, quote unquote, uh, keeping his distance but <laughs> not keeping a low profile. This was the f- fucking weirdest place. Like it was yeah. so strange. It was just yeah. like okay, all right. And I like that. Like what the hood would look like. Their fucking crew was the most diverse crew ever. <laughs> That's true. I was like, okay, progress. They, they ended racism. They were progressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In this, in this movie. They were like, yeah, no. They're like, as long as you kill motherfucker, Mexican. we don't care who you are. <laughs> like, as long as you kill someone to get in, that's all that matters. That was all the, that was the ticket. That was the ticket in. Yeah. Uh, we, but it was just like, we had one Mexican, one black dude, and like five white people. <laughs> yeah, it's like, sure. What an odd gang. It was like half skinheads, like slash Nazis. And the other half was just like, a fucking MS-13 gang members <laughs> like a blood. Like it was yeah. so off-putting. And then they talk about like gang wars later. I'm like, what right, are you talking so- about? <laughs> I the gang all here! It was like it was, it was very funny. But anyway, the gang pulls up to the project building, Billy uh, dropping off Joe to have sex with some chick. 
He was like, have fun with that one. It's like, congrats, you're a man now. <laughs> you do manly things. Like, Get that hair off your chest. Kids. Yeah. Uh, he, pull, he, uh, he pulls him back toward him to hand him some money before he heads inside. And he tries not to accept it. He's like, nah, man. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, all right. All right. <laughs> they all drive off as Nick watches from his car. It's funny that he gave his brother money where it's just like, you know you owe your dad money. Like, what the fuck are you doing? That's true. You fucked up. Plot hole. Um, hey. Nick heads home into his shed looking for, for what he can use for a weapon, picking a machete and inspecting it before frustratedly dropping it on the table. He looks around for something for something else that he can use as a weapon. Luke calls out um, calls out to him from the door, asking his dad what he's doing. He tells Luke that he isn't doing anything as he finds a knife inside of a box. Luke picks, picks up the machete. He tells Luke to put it down and to not play with that. He it's like 14. Calm down. <laughs> he, he listens as he uh, puts it back on the table. Nick wraps, wraps up the knife as Luke tries to get a better understanding. Questioning if it was at a gas station, Nick confirms, wondering why he wants to know. Luke claiming that he was wondering where Brandon died. Uh, his dad acknowledges, sharing more information on the location. A car pulls up at the house. Luke wondering if Brandon was scared. Nick believes that he was scared as Helen comes into the shed. She wonders how, he, how it went. He bluntly shares that they let him go as he hides the knife she doesn't understand as he mentions that he doesn't think he doesn't think it was him she's confused uh, wondering if they are going to to continue looking he tells her that they said that uh, they would as she frustratedly calls out to Jesus. Um, he gets he gets short, apologizing, asking her uh, what she wants him to do. The room becomes uh, becomes uh, tight as he apologizes and mentions that he's he left something at the office and th that he needs to pick up. She calls out to him. He explains that he'll be ba he'll be back home when he can as as he uh, shoots out of the room. Cut to Nick sitting outside the project building, questioning what, what he is about to do. He starts the car and is about to leave, but stops when he hears Joe coming out of the building. Nick turns off, turns off his car, while Joe sparks a cigarette before taking out the trash. Nick gets out of his car and, um, and is walking over there, stopping when a woman comes out of the building. He turns around, uh, working to not show his face, but not so much so not so much on acting natural. He's like... <laughs> it's a random bus, uh, business guy in the suit, like, oh, hey, what's over there? No. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, was so, it was so wet. He's like, <laughs> See, you should have just add the whistle at that point. This is where, like, the acting was starting to go down. I, I admired all of the stuff until this point. Yeah. Mainly where it started was the shed. Where he's like searching for like, a knife and stuff. Knife, and then like look at that and seeing how frustrated he is, but it didn't seem natural. And then his son's like, I was wondering if he was scared. And, and like without comforting him, it was like, Yeah, he probably was. Yeah. And then the wife's like, Oh, did it help? It's like, nah, not at all. It's like they're not gonna help at all. It's like they're just gonna start looking for him. It's like, I have to go to my office. Like so like dismissive and it just yeah. didn't feel like his character that we saw prior. Right. It's like I get there's a switch where he's gonna go out and do yeah, something he's that's on crazy. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, no, fuck all y'all. I'm just trying to leave and like do my thing. I was just like, yeah, yeah, but you're a family guy. You care about these people, mm -hmm. or so well, he we cares thought. about Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like, like, damn. I was like, are you good dad? I don't know. Or I would say, I would say he he is. A, a he good does dad, put his family in danger. Like, he does. Yeah, absolutely. He and definitely does. He's reckless. But that he, I wouldn't say him being reckless is necessarily makes selfish. him a bad, a bad dad. 
He's selfish. He he's doing it for himself to make oh, himself yeah. feel good, absolutely. without thinking about what the repercussions are. Right, and continues to do so. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing that I think his character was making me angry with. It's yeah. like, yeah, these are not decisions you should be making. Obviously, yeah. but it, but, it, but it, it, it's also, just a movie as well. It, right, and also we wouldn't have the movie if he didn't make the, right. the right decisions. <laughs> exactly. But um, you know, is one thing that I do have to say is that like obviously when you have children, you do have this this innate guttural love for oh, them. Oh, yeah, like you'll do anything. For right. Them. Yeah, yeah. You, and, you'll and kill that's, someone for them. That's Absolutely. If, that's if you're a good parent. Like, obviously, there are some yeah. really, really bad parents out there that that treat their kids like fucking shit, right. um, which is horrible. But, like, yeah, you do have this innate natural love for them where you're just like, I need to protect this thing at all cost. Right. No matter how old they get or whatever, like I need to protect this thing at all costs. Like I, it's just that, that that is my duty in life. Like I need to make sure this that this thing is protected. Right. Um and you know, I do get that sense with him, especially when everyone fucking dies in his life. Yeah. And he doesn't even allow himself to heal. He's just like I I failed my family. One of them is left. I need to do what I can to make sure that these people are fucking extinguished to make sure that that one that is left is able to live a life right. without having to look over their shoulder. Yeah, but they're in that predicament because of him. They are. Right. Absolutely. And and I feel like the last act is him trying to right his wrong. True. Yeah. yeah. Like he doesn't care if he dies. Like he's no, just trying to right his wrong. I, I think he never cared if he died, lived or died. But I think he just wanted to feel better about his golden child being yeah. dead. Exactly. Not care about really his wife or other child and be there for. Well, yeah. I mean, he was he was blind with rage, right? Right. Yeah. So, like that was that was the main thing. He was just blind with rage. She looks at him, knowing that something is off uh, with him, but she keeps it moving. Joe drops a bag of trash on the ground, cleaning himself off um, before turning around and getting startled by Nick. Oh fuck! (laughs) He comments that uh, he started he scared the shit out of him. Excuse me. Before realizing that it's Nick, he calls out um, that he's he's kidding him. Thinking that uh, he won't do shit, Nick then pounces on him, smashing <laughs> his head into the dumpster and wall. Joe knees him, all, knees, uh, knees him off of him before gaining the upper hand for the uh, for the moment, pushing him into another room. Nick drops the knife. Joe tries going for it, but he's pulled back and uh, punched a few times. He stops punching him when he realizes that Joe has then stabbed him on accident. I think he just rolled on the knife. I don't think he actually got, like, stabbed him, stabbed him. Um, I think he just rolled on it. Um, I'm pretty sure he does, too. Yeah. Um, He, uh, Nick backs away in shock as Joe starts bleeding out and then dies. He looks around uh, for a bit before before going up to Joe and ripping the knife out of his side. What if he would have woke up from there like, oh, fuck. Oh, I'm so alive, He just stabs him again. <laughs> he crawls backward before running out of there. Nick then drives to a bridge on top of a creek, vigorously wiping the blade from, uh, from his prints and, ch- and chucking it into a creek. Cut to Helen and Luke organizing their home videos, something that she's been meaning to do for months, saying that it is very grown up of him to help. Nick comes into the house and he doesn't even answer. He's just like, yeah, mom. Like, I'm he just, just neglects his whole family until like shit happens to him. Oh, uh, Luke. Well, well, Luke a little bit. Luke is going through a phase of like self discovery slash trying to figure out and rationalizing his brother's death. 
Yeah. He wants to know more. He wants to go investigate. He wants he has questions that need answers. True. He doesn't yeah. have closure. No. And yeah. that's why we see him like run off and do his thing. But it's like, why are you making bad decisions too? <laughs> it's like everyone. Ah. This makes more sense because he's a fucking kid. Yeah. Um, but hey. Nick comes into the house wanting a moment uh bef- uh before greeting them or needing a moment uh before greeting him greeting them. She co- uh, comments about his appearance, wondering what happened to him. He explains that he cut his hand. She's uh trying to make sure that he's okay. He mentions that he's going to take a shower. She's willing to get bandages, letting him know that uh she'll bring she'll bring them up. He looks over at Luke. Luke, wondering how he how he is doing and if he's okay. Luke answers that he's okay. He's like, I'm okay. <laughs> Nick doesn't want to stretch the the conversation longer and tells him uh, that he's going to shower now. Luke stays back to watch the rest of the home videos while Nick is taking the hottest shower known to man. Yeah, the steam is just like, <sighs> bruh, it is like scalding. Yeah, I'm like, dude, you're like almost Evil Dead level scalding <laughs> right now. Like you are. You are definitely getting there, for sure. Sobbing uncontrollably in the shower and dropping down, Helen comes into the bathroom, turning off the water and embracing him. He sobs um, that he's so sorry as he holds on to her. Um, but meanwhile, the gang speed into the into the broke down auto body shop. Billy gets out of his car and walks into Bones' body shop. He goes into the back office where the where there are guns and ammunition sitting on the table, throwing his bag on top of it. His father Bones closes his cabinet of more guns, yelling for him to watch the fucking pieces. <laughs> insulting him by claiming that they are worth something unlike him asking him where he has mm. been while calling him a Nazi this is a a nice contrast of dads here right oh for sure one dad who wouldn't do fucking dirt shit for his son and another dad who's willing to like fucking take lives for his son yeah so his money was his son like that was the main that, thing that, for, yeah, for yeah. Bones like money was his, his, his business yeah. for sure he takes a bag, pouring the uh, the small pile of money onto his desk. Offended by the amount, asking him uh, what what does he call that? Billy answers on that being being their night, which I, was so fucking funny. Because why did you bring that big ass bag for that? Right? Yeah. It's just like you you wanted your dad to insult you at that point. Like at that point, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, no. What is this? What are you doing? Like, right. why would you bring me this bag? Just fucking hand it to me. At this point, like, come on, you could have put that in your pocket. <laughs> Bones is pissed, thinking that he's uh, he's possibly stealing from him, threatening to kill him, unloading some bullets on him, uh, and like this was kind of like more disrespectful than actually just shooting his kid into me. Yeah, this is a lovely conversation. <laughs> yep, um, reiterating that he'll kill him. He throws the bag back at Billy for him to get out of his sight. Billy is irritated with his father, glaring at him before leaving. Billy goes to his lab uh, where the rest of his crew are. And this lab is just like... Weird, an, like, orbs and Yeah, balls it's and just like, like beakers yeah, and shit. Like, sure. It's like, what are you making? <laughs> I think it was like just to make a lab for lab's sake. Yeah, for real. It's like, just this like, looks like a drug area. <laughs> Sure, yeah. Like, what you are sold you, me what are you making, like, dude? Like Kool Aid? Like, <laughs> like they were like blue liquid and beakers and yeah. red. It was weird. And they're just like all hanging. And like, yeah, well, like, why? What? Okay. Sure. All right. I've yeah. seen Breaking Bad. That's not how you do it. Yeah. No. Obviously, they haven't. Uh, they are all looking at, looking at him silently. He questions why they're looking at him like that. Wanting someone to tell him what's going on. Bodie comes into another room or comes out from another room asking if he's heard about his little brother Joe, revealing that he's dead and that somebody stuck him. He's like, he's like, Do you hear about Joe, man? 
No, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, man, they, they, they stuck him, man. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Bodie's character was so fucking outrageous to me. He was so left character? field. <laughs> like, he was so left field to be like, it, oh my god, I love him. I love him to death. This is this yeah. is the guy who played Darwin in X Men, which was also okay. Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon killed him twice. Damn, I'm Dirty. just saying. That's true. Yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. saying. But yeah, so Kevin Bacon had the opportunity to kill him twice. Uh, and he also was in Twilight. He was the guy with the dreads. So that was also. Oh, he was, huh? Yeah, that was him. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, he's still uh, all of them. He's in a bunch of shit. Yeah, Gone Baby Gone, Crank, My Bloody Valentine. Interesting. He's in a bunch of shit. 28 films. Revealing that he's dead and that somebody stuck him, uh, Billy doesn't believe it. Thinking that he's lying, Bodie reiterates, nah, man, he's gone. Billy angrily storms out of there, throwing his bag. It's like, ooh, he mad mad. Cut to, to Nick eating a sandwich at work. His coworker Owen comes comes into his office, checking in on him. Nick puts puts up a front that he, uh, that they're doing okay and, that, uh, and they are finding compensations, compensating for their losses and, move, and uh, moving on. Um, Owen expresses if anything like that happened to him, he would feel like like uh, he would just snap. Thanks, Owen. Great, man. Yeah, thank you. Nick responds that, that uh, you don't know what you'll do until it happens. Someone else interrupts them to share that Wallace is there to see him. She apologizes for uh, for coming in, sharing the, sharing that somebody killed Joe. Owen is shocked as Nick tries to pull uh, play dumb if uh, if it was a gang related incident, feeling suspicious but not bringing attention to it. She explains that uh, they believe it was, thinking he would like to know if uh, if it was Joe who killed his son. He thanks for he thanks her for letting him know, noticing his bandaged hand before leaving out of the office. Owen shares that uh, that the company would pay for counseling. Nick cuts him off that they will manage thanking him. The gang, um, the gang are all hanging out at a bar without Billy, toasting to Joey as Bodie calls him a, uh, quote, a good soldier and a good boy. He was a good fucking boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> God damn it, dude. Yes, the dialogue is corny as fuck in this movie. Yeah. It's but out so there. is the it's dialogue in Saw. Saw's dialogue is terrible. I might have to rewatch it. Rewatch it, and you will see how much that that movie yeah. fucking ages, dude. Like you, that movie is one hundred percent. You have to be with the fucking times to watch that movie. That movie interesting. Aged. So did it age well? No. Same with Dead Silence. Terrible dialogue and also very bad acting. <laughs> Saw was another one. Very bad acting. Very terrible dialogue. Interesting. Yeah, man. I'm telling you, you watch it. I'll, I'll rewatch it tonight. Like maybe. when you this era of James Wan, golden era. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely matured. When I, he I think went he became self-aware then was when he made most like that. Oh, for sure. He because was making he's fun like, of himself. Yeah, that exactly. He was making fun of himself. And, and he made a movie and that Kayla Cooper would understood enjoy. the assignment. Yeah, that was it. And Kayla Cooper understood the assignment. She was just like, oh, yeah, no, for sure, dog. I got you. Like, yeah. <laughs> and actually, like, yeah, cranked it up a notch. Exactly. Like, ridiculous, but yeah. masterful. He was making fun of himself. That, that was all it was. Because, like, he would make camp... Um, Without knowing that it was camp. Right. And now it's self-aware camp. Exactly. Yeah. Like dead silence is all camp. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. 
Uh, they all cheers. So Billy takes Bodie's drink, slamming it on the table, asking if that's what they're going to do, telling him to at least show a, a little fucking respect. Spilling the, the drink on the floor. It's like, that's disrespectful to the <laughs> bartender, though. I'm, right? I'm just saying. Calling them all punks because they would rather drink and smoke besides getting revenge. He apologizes, then put, uh, picks up a shot, telling them to cheers. Nobody puts their glasses up until he <laughs> yells for them for them all to follow his order. They do. He throws it at the wall, still expecting them to drink. He turns his back at, um, as Bodie claims that Joe wasn't made for this shit and he wasn't like them. Billy corrects him that he wasn't like he wasn't like him because he was better than him. Bodie gets offended. He's like, "What the fuck?" Like, <laughs> reminding him that they were practically brothers since they were kids, yelling that he's not as good. Um, he's not as good as him now. And Joe and him are like blood to him. Billy accepts that, sitting down across from him, softly speaking that that he would like to catch the motherfucker that did this. Bodie and Spink, who is Lee Wanell's character, yeah. claim that they will be doing the right thing for by Joe. And we will. We're gonna do the right thing by Joe. Yeah, we will. Brotherhood. <laughs> yes. Lee Wanell was not the greatest actor. Um, but I love him. You know, I, yeah. it's always nice to just see him and stuff. Yeah, and it's, it's nice. Continue writing, yeah, and making movies. Yeah, I mean, Killing Invincible it. Man was fucking Dude, great. Was so good. Uh, Upgrade was also great and very yes, underrated. Just saying. Um, Billy sparks a, a cigarette, wondering who did it. Hecko tells him that it it wasn't the Cuddy Max, bro, because he I would have known that. What the the Cuddy Max? You fucking! I was curious on what their name, the name of their gang was. Yeah, because we got the Cuddy Man. <laughs> what is this? Uh, they fucked up McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, or mac and cheese. Yeah, another, uh, <laughs> another one speaks up, uh, saying that it wasn't any of their rivals. He named a bunch. Yeah, 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 he named a bunch. I didn't write them down, but he named like four of them. It's like, damn, y'all got gang gangs. <laughs> How are y'all still alive? <laughs> I know they're not a huge group, <laughs> right? I'm just yeah. like, damn, dude. They sound like they could have mojo ass down right now. Another one, uh, uh, Baggy. Shares that his sister saw someone uh, in a in a, a suit that was just down there chilling. Billy is intrigued, getting up, asking questions about how many people in the suit do they see at Stokely Hall. He grabs a newspaper, finding it funny that when one of them gets killed, they don't make the paper. But when the son of a senior VP of Starfish Capital does, he shows the image of Nick uh, to all of them, handing them the newspaper uh, to, uh, to Baggy, wanting him to speak to his sister. He gets up. To, he gets up from the table, going up to his sister, who's a waitress there, grabbing her to ask if uh, if that's the guy she saw. She nods her head, and he looks over at Billy to confirm. This was the all right. I'm this sorry. was so fucking funny. This was the dumbest thing I've seen in a while. It's like, hey. You want to go talk to your sister about this? He like goes right up, up to her. Goes up to her. Who's like sitting five feet away? Points on the picture. She shakes her head. He looks back. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> like, yo, this is what the fuck? This was genius. <laughs> it was something. This was genius. It was something so for sure. good. Oh my I don't god. Know, yeah, genius is a strong word. Oh, this is the right one. Yeah. Oh god. Uh, sure. <laughs> Meanwhile, Nick is still at the office. Andy knocks his comic gold. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Andy knocks on his glass to let him know that she's going home, wondering if he needs anything and if he's okay while noticing his bloody bandage on his hand. He hides his hand, claiming that he's fine, wanting her to drop off something with Owen on her way 
out. When she leaves, he sits in his chair, wiping the blood off from his hand with one of the papers that's on his desk, grabbing his briefcase and putting the papers inside to leave for the day. He goes outside, startled by a cop car passing by. He picks up some new bandages and aspirins. Taking uh, taking them as he keeps moving, acting like he doesn't notice Bodie walking behind him and Billy watching from across the street. Bodie takes out a gun, running up behind Nick. Nick turns around, hitting the gun out of his hand with the briefcase and hitting him in the face with it. I love how the like the crowds were just like, oh, oh my god! They were like, oh my god, he's attacking that black man. <laughs> <laughs> Billy and the rest of the gang st- uh, start running over to him as onlookers are all freaked out. They start shooting at him as they run across the street. Everyone scatters. He runs down an alleyway, Billy leading the pack, firing his gun. Nick ditches his briefcase to continue running away. I don't know if you're watching it right now. Yeah, but- I pulled this scene up just for this. Yeah. Um, and he he's just like running, but he's like flailing and going like this, <laughs> and it, it's uh, it just looks so bad. I don't know. It's an amateur kind of, chase scene for sure. But no, but it's I love not, it. It's not the directing; it's the way it's executed with like Kevin Bacon's character and like. Well, then I think that no would be, sense of how would be, close they are. I would be the, say that would be direction then, right? Um. Yeah, it could be like part of the direction of it, but like because like their their space is very close from what we could see, like their vantage right. point. The, like they look like they're right behind him, like they can exactly. Touch him. And then right when he ditches the the suitcase, he runs he around the corner. Turns around the corner, <laughs> yeah. they're right they're, behind him. Granted, yeah, they're, they're still no running. There. He just runs around another corner, and then he stays there yeah. at this open like parking lot area for like one. Two, yeah, trying three, trying to like figure four, out like where to go five, next. Six, seven. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve seconds till he makes the decision uh-huh. to run somewhere else. I'm sorry, if they're right behind you, twelve seconds is plenty of time yeah, they to catch up you. to you. They definitely but he's literally you. And, and like I said, I do like his camera movements, but he's like looking around and like flipping his body, and the camera's just like flipping with him. Yeah. It's like, this is a chaotic scene. He doesn't know where he wants to go. It's like, do you know where they are? I don't. We're still here. And then he like runs through a fence that has a door. I'm like, well, you didn't see that door before? It's like, what is happening? And he just like randomly like falls into things and like bounces off. Dude, this is like pinball. And I was like, how does he that catch it? He's jumping over things, runs into more things. This like, is great. This scene, I was like, I don't like this movie. Yeah. <laughs> For me, I was like, he literally, he all he does is fall and tumble and fall into stuff, and they keep like yeah behind him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it is definitely an amateur. Like, even him it, trying to like walk into the door, it takes him a long time, and they're like right there, right? And he's yeah. still like tripping and falling, and like yeah, I would <sighs> I would I would definitely admit that this is very amateur for sure. I still like it. Um, I still love this chase scene. Um, I find it just still intense enough for me, at least. Um, but yes, I do agree that it he is a, a for very directions. amateur. Um, but I mean, he yells the directions. He's just like, "Where the fuck do I go? <laughs> Where do I go to this area?" But, I mean, we'll we'll talk about it in detail right yeah. now. He hits a dead end, um, but thinks um, uh, 
quickly but not quickly, as Freddie pointed out, um, <laughs> and pushes through a gate to continue running away for, uh, from the gang, moving through another alley and falling over a pile of boxes. Billy fires another shot when they almost catch up to him but misses. Uh, a restaurant worker comes out of the door, causing Nick to trip over him. He heads inside the building, closing the door and locking it um, from behind. He continues speeding through the kitchen, asking one of the workers where, where um, 1801 is. They break through the door as Nick yells for her to give him the directions. She's, she points that it's through the corridor. He speeds through the door, Billy going up to the, uh, to the worker with the, gu- uh, with the gun pointed at her, um, wanting her, wanting to know where Nick went. She immediately points in the direction. He commands Hecko, Dog, and Spink to cut him off. They run in, the desi- in their designated directions as Nick continues moving through the boiler room, trying to find his way out. They continue searching for him as he moves up, t- uh, um, up the set of stairs into the parking lot. He calls, he falls on a car, setting off the alarm, finding that to be a good idea as he starts setting off multiple car alarms Why? as he runs through the lot, climbing up on, uh, climbing up to another section, setting up, setting off another alarm as he keeps moving upward. The gang keeps, so you're just like, Putting them in the direction. <laughs> yeah, I was like getting so pissed off. Like, why are you doing the things you're doing? If anything, you want to like run all the way up and not let people know each level you're putting car alarms on. You're literally leaving breadcrumbs. Exactly what you're saying. That's pretty much it. Uh, the, the gang, the gang keeps moving as Billy directs Jamie to make it upstairs, not wanting to ma- be made a fool. Billy keeps it moving, <laughs> making it to the top of the parking lot, taking a moment to catch his breath. He ducks behind a car when he hears Jamie bursting through. Through a door, uh, through a door up there, Jamie searches for him underneath cars, passing Nick up. Nick understands that he he um, now has to try and fight his way out of this, hoping um, hopping over the the side of the excuse me, hopping over the side to follow him. He sneaks behind Jamie, waiting for his moment as he begins to approach. He signals his car by clicking uh, by clicking the lock button, sounding the alarm. Jamie turns around to check it out, giving Nick the advantage to tackle him. He tackles Jamie down, multiple shots being fired in the air as they rustle for the gun. Nick gets the gun away from him, smashing his head down on the ground. He runs to the backseat of the car, Jamie grabbing him just to get hit in, uh, with a hockey stick in the face. Nick starts beating him with it, uh, but not enough times because he grabs Nick and slams him between cars. Nick uses his body to smash him into into another car, breaking the window. He unlocks the car, opens the door to smash his head. Jamie falls to the ground um, by his gun. He grabs it, firing shots immediately until it, it runs out as he screams. Nick jumps in the car then right in time to allow him to miss the shots. Jamie, Jamie jumps in, in the car and starts choking Nick as he kicks the window accidentally um, putting the car in neutral it starts rolling in reverse as as they continue struggling neither of them noticing or caring that the car is rolling nick gets the upper hand while also knocking out the windshield taking the seatbelt and wrapping it around jamie's neck it locks in place nick finally noticing that the car is moving backwards and is about to fall off the top he crawls out of the front window jumping in time to uh, uh for the car to fall off the building the gang running over the ledge to see the car nick runs uh, runs the, to his car, immediately driving out of there as the gang tries running up there. He speeds away in time before the gang make it up to him. Now. That's a lot. A lot is going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot is going on. I mentioned in the last episode that I think that Nick got them hands. He is a fucking weird, scrawny man 
who actually gets the upper hand <laughs> most of the I feel time. Like he gets lucky. <laughs> it, but he has that fight to survive mentality. Exactly. These um, these dudes are like all red and they don't, they're not really trying to survive. They're just trying to beat this dude's ass and right. kill him. Um, and I do want to like, compliment this yeah. movie real quick too. That whole entire sequence with him going up and around and showing where they you are. You can't compliment this movie, man. I absolutely no. will. No, you can't compliment. This, you hate this movie. Nah, I, I don't hate it. <laughs> I just dislike it, dislike it a lot. But I still admire a lot of stuff in this movie. The movie just didn't work for me, personally. That's fair. And I, I love that you love it because I, it's great like insight that we both have. Nah, you, you, you hate that I love it. Nah. I'm kidding. I, I'm just Movies just, are to be yeah. celebrated. No, there's always going to be someone that loves a movie, which yeah. I always love. And movies are a miracle to make. And this is a miracle shot right here. This so I, I timed it. It's insane. about one minute and about 10 seconds of a continuous shot. Uh, following um, his character first, mm-hmm. and just to show real quickly, he goes and sets the alarm up another car. <laughs> Stupid! But the car, the Stupid. camera leaves the building, goes Those down the floor. So fucking cool. Sees the couple. They come out of the car. Whatever. They get scared, and then it follows our antagonist all the way through, and then actually goes up another level. And I'll show the ten seconds. It goes yeah, back it goes up. Back and then and this up. is still one continuous shot. Right. It goes up two levels this time, follows his character all the way to the very top floor, right. and then goes back to him, and then shows the person entering from the stairwell. Right. A whole minute and 10 seconds of just one shot, three different levels. One, it, It's beautiful. Yeah. This it is, is the James Wan I love and yeah. adore, and he perfected this in other movies as well. We see like the opening shot with the family coming through the conjuring and the mm-hmm. camera going through the window. All of these are great, amazing shots. Even Aquaman has a really great fight sequence. This one continuous shot. Mm-hmm. Actually, two. There's one in the house, and then there's one in like the favelas or like jumping from rooftop to rooftop. I've never seen um, it. It's not great. Okay. But <laughs> it's fun. It's, I love seeing his work and how great directors are able to capture a scene because that stuff is not necessary. Mm-hmm. This is something they have a vision for and they have a plan for, and it takes a very long time to execute, and everyone has to be in the right place at the right time to make everything work. Right. Seeing that kind of filmmaking blows my mind and like makes me such a fanboy of why I love movies and that scene's in this movie so this makes me low-key like this movie a lot yeah but but everything around it like yeah that's like going that's why I said, on there's a lot of a elements I really appreciate right and there's stuff like all right I can't not see that like all right the dialogue is too bad and like this stuff is too messy and this is too silly I do have to realize there are bad elements into it but that doesn't mean someone can't enjoy this. And I, I enjoyed the fuck out of that. Yeah, and rewatching yeah. this right now, as we talk about it, I was like, yeah, this guy's like right. fucking amazing. Yeah, it's like it's it's like the same thing as like as as why people like Fast and the Furious and stuff right. like that, right? Like like there's I, still elements to enjoy. And I think Exactly. That's the thing where I tell people it's like <clears throat> even though it's beyond the belief of reality, gravity, laws of physics, whatever. Everything. Movies are made to show dreams coming true. Exactly. This is the possibility of like we could create the unimaginable behind the camera into like the post-production it's magic it's just magic and that's the thing was like let the creator be the creator and tell the story that they want to tell yeah if it doesn't connect with you awesome doesn't yeah. matter it's not for you but it's going to be for someone yeah you could tell there's that- no such thing as a bad movie right it could be just not for someone Except for Birth of a Nation. That movie's fucking terrible and it sucks. And Fair enough. same okay, thing with uh, Soft and Quiet. Both of those movies can burn in hell. Anyway, uh, Nick speeding away and, and parking as the cops pull up uh, pull up to the scene. 
Um, he, he tries catching his breath. Noticing his mouth bleeding, his phone starts to ring. He picks it up and it's Helen. She can't find Luke. He wonders if she called his friends, realizing where he might be. He tells her he tells her that he has to call her back so he can go go get him. Busting the super wild U-turn to make it over to him. Cut to Wallace at the scene of the crime, wanting, wanting them to pull for witnesses, knowing that someone had to see something. Yeah, someone saw a lot of stuff. What the fuck? Motherfucker shooting in the middle of the street. She, in broad daylight. She goes over to the ledge, seeing the destruction below. Meanwhile, Nick finds his son at, at where Brandon, Brandon died. He demands Luke to get inside the car, but he doesn't want to. He begins to sob as Nick grabs him to bring him inside the car. Luke drops to the ground, screaming out, Fuck you! <laughs> Nick tries to calmly tell him sure. that, that this isn't a safe place. Luke cries that he does he knows that, asking if uh if it would have been better if it was him. <laughs> if I tell you yes, will you get in the car? <laughs> right? Dude, the way he yells at his kid to get in the car, I was Dude. like, yo, relax. He's a grieving child right now by his brother who just died. I get it, but like Yeah. And trust down. me, like yes, the neighborhood probably isn't the greatest, but I'm I'm pretty sure no one's gonna fuck with you because you're crying. Yeah, you'd be like, it's like what? <laughs> if anything, they're probably gonna be like, damn, what's wrong with them? Like <laughs> they keep walking. Like no one's yeah. gonna do that. Mocking that they um, that they could have had a <clears throat> had it a lot easier than losing Brandon, their, the golden boy. He continues sobbing as Nick pleads for him to get in the car. Luke still doesn't go as as Nick grabs his bag, yelling for him to get back inside the car. <laughs> get in the fucking car. Yeah. Luke, if you don't get out of the goddamn car. Such <laughs> ah, anger. They make, it, they make it to him. Luke immediately hugging his mother as she cries for him to never do that again. Billy goes through Nick's briefcase inside of an abandoned church. Question mark. As we find out later yeah. that it's a part of the mental asylum that they... Sure, part of the chapel there, sure. Right, because they go in there later. That's where the, the final scene is. Um, finding his wallet and pictures of his family. Bodhi comes into the room wondering if they are if uh, they are going to do this or not. Fate to Nick back nervously back at work. Bodhi comes into, the, into an office building with a package. He pushes the elevator button. The security guard tells him that he needs to sign in. Bodhi ignores him as the guard repeats that he needs to sign in, pointing toward, um, pointing toward messages and, drops offs, and drop-offs. He tells the guard that he needs to hand-deliver this to Nicholas Hume. He's like, nah, I need to hand-deliver this to Nicholas Hume. Yeah, the sure guard he comments that he he can uh, sign in and drop it off like everyone else. The elevator dings and Bodhi walks inside as the guard calls out reinforcements onto the 15th floor. Bodhi comes inside uh, comes inside the office calling for Nick, even having a chance to smack some papers out of some random dude's hands. <laughs> this, <was> so <laughs> this delivery thing is like... <laughs> Why did he do that? Get your papers out of my face. <laughs> fucking asshole. Uh, he continues calling um, as the rest of the office are scared as to uh, as they watch. Nick comes out, um, Bodhi com- uh, coming up to him, commenting about him having a nice office. <laughs> Nick asks uh, what he wants as the, as the guards make it inside. He hands Nick the package, telling him that it's a gift of freedom. The guards grab him, asking Nick if he needs to be escorted out. Bodhi adding that he's uh, he's free from wondering how he's going to die now, and he'll die alone. They drag him out as he continues talking about him eventually me- meeting his maker. Annie and Owen look over at Nick as as he takes the package into his office. He unwraps it, revealing that it, um, it's his briefcase. He opens his wallet to see his family's faces on the photo crossed out. He sits down, looking at it, noting 
noticing that from the reflection that there's a number on the back. He flips it over and immediately calls the number. Billy picks up the phone and blows smoke into the receiver, and he picks up the phone inside the bar, right? Yeah. Um, and Nick asks where he is. Billy sarcastically asks for a reward for finding his wallet. Nick yells for him to tell him where the fuck he is now. Billy switches it up. That Nick is on the end of the is uh is on his end of the sewer, saying who lives and who dies. And He's coming for his family. Nick threatens if he touches his family, then he'll cut out his guts like he did his friend. Billy chuckles that he wasn't his friend, but his brother. Mm. And now he's coming for the rest of his family, claiming that that he bought them a death sentence. He hangs up the phone. Nick slams the phone down, cussing as the office looks at him. He frantically searches for things while trying to leave. Man, dude. Good back and forth. Protagonist versus antagonist. Good. He flipped the script on. It's like, Haha, you want a revenge? My revenge story now, bitch. Factoids. And we got the title. Woo! Yeah, because they we actually just don't earned get a, we actually don't get a title sentence. shot. No, yeah. yeah. We don't get a title shot on this one. No. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm trying to think back. Like, did we get a title shot in Dead, Dead Silence and Saw? <laughs> I'm just happy this was not his death sentence to his career. Oh, oh Bird! Now this is the longest time in this was. movie. It almost was. Oh. So this <laughs> almost this almost ended James Wan's career um, in some ways. And the only way, mainly, is because of the fact that this movie was just a huge bomb alongside Dead Silence. Dead Silence was also mm. a bomb. And for them to come out in the same year, both bombing. And then he made billion-dollar franchises. So Exactly. But for him to do that and come out with these two films that both bombed from two two separate studios, mind you. Right. Because we had Universal Pictures for yep. uh, Dead Silence, and then we had um, Fox for this one. Um, so both of these films bombed in the box office, and it was like almost, holy fuck, how is he going to come back from this? So he did. He came back from this by directing a short, which was Doggy Heaven, and he directed the short, and he was just like, okay, well, like, all right, nothing, nothing's going on. He did not have a film for four years, a full-length feature, until Blumhouse gave him a shot with Insidious. So Blumhouse, and Blumhouse gives everyone shots. So Blumhouse, if it weren't for Blumhouse doing that for him, James Wan would have, James Wan's career would have sank. Damn. So without Blumhouse, he wouldn't have not had a comeback as he did. So, yeah, thank you, Blumhouse. We can thank Blumhouse yeah, for that. Honestly, so they placed a real good bet on him. Because yeah, just made a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was at that point where they were just like, okay, all right, we can figure something else out. And then Warner Brothers came, and that's yeah. when they were like, hey, we like that ghost story you made. Can you do it again, but different? <laughs> Up like, in the notch, like sure, why not? And another franchise, and then was born. the Conjuring, and then and now he, and now he has three major, has horror, three franchises. major horror franchises now. So. And then like, hey, you there like you cars? Do you like to be furious sometimes? <laughs> seven no. billion dollars. So his two non-horror films, Aquaman and Furious Seven, are both in the uh, one billion dollar club. Yeah, and you, and that's why HP or not HBO, but Warner Brothers is like. Do whatever you want. Make that silly film that you want to make. What is it called? Malignant? Mm. Sure, why not? Go ahead and make it. Do what you want. So th- that, that's why they allowed that. They yeah. they, they gave you them that because... will feed you. Right. Because what I truly think, that obviously this isn't on the record, obviously, what I'm about to say next, but like what I truly think, I think he was going to pass up on Aquaman too. And I don't, sure. think they, I don't think they wanted him to. 
Like, you mean and that was, they're like, what can we probably do to get you to stay here? Because right. if, if you think about it, at that point in time, he was making a movie almost every, every two years. Yeah. At that point, after The Conjuring. Because after The Conjuring, uh, he immediately followed up with Insidious Chapter 2. Right. right? And Insidious Chapter 2 and The Conjuring both came out in the same year. Oh. Yes. I didn't know that. So when he, after he did that, two years later, that's when he stopped making horror films for a little while. And he made Fast, Fast and Furious 7. So it, it took him, I think, four years, no, three years to make another horror film, which was The Conjuring 2. Which came out in 2016. After that, that's when he directed like a TV show. I think it was MacGyver. He directed an episode of Mm. MacGyver. And then he came out with Aquaman in 2018. And then 2021, Malignant. So another three years since then. Aquaman this year? I don't know. I think. But, and who's to say when, yeah, it's supposed to be this year. Um, and who's to say with uh, after that mm. how long it's going to be for him to you know do it again? But based off of his history and his track record, it's usually about three years. Is three to four years? Every three to four years, we get a new horror film by James Wan. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So there you have it, everybody. If you didn't know, now you know. Uh, we'll now you know. Coming out and, in three years, and I love James Wan a lot, <laughs> as you can probably hear. <laughs> Very much a fan of James Wan. Calling for his wife, um, who's at work. Um, <laughs> that whole little spiel that I just did right there about James Wan and the little history intake. That's for those motherfuckers who give us those one-star reviews saying that we don't do anything besides just talking about the film. How dare you? How dare you? We talk about the director's past. All the time. Their camera movements. Every day. The continuous shots. All the time. The history. Every day. The composer. The, the composer. Yeah. So How bad you. this movie is? Yes. It's good. Yes. We talk about that so too. so fun too. We break it down. We break it down. We break it down. Break it down. Break it down. I'm about to do a backflip. <laughs> Call for his wife who's at work. She doesn't hit. Whoa, he did it. Ah. <laughs> she doesn't answer right away. He repeats for her to pick up the phone while walking out of the office. She answers it. He frantically asks if she's okay and if Luke is at home. She claims that they are okay. He um he demands Annie, are you okay? He demands for her to stay stay there until the police comes. She doesn't understand what's going on. He repeats for her to stay there. While waiting for the elevator, he calls for Wallace. He runs down a flight of stairs because the elevator's taking too long, shouting for, um, to Wallace that they are threatening to kill his family. She asks where his family is right now. He shouts that they are both at home, pleading for her to, to help them. She pulls up in front of his house where a police cruiser is already there, waiting for them. He bursts through the door, calling for his wife and son. She calls out to him, wondering what's going on as he as he is making sure all of the doors and windows are locked. He doesn't answer her, he doesn't answer her as Helen and Luke continue to be frightened by his behavior. The doorbell rings. He cautiously opens it up to Wallace. She looks around the, the home, noticing the hockey awards, commenting about Nick's son being a hockey player. He, do you not read the newspaper? He <laughs> confirms it. <laughs> she shares that uh, the car the car will still will stay there uh, tonight. But she finds it time for him to fess up to who did who did what to whom, questioning if he made war by killing some little asshole because he lives in the suburbs. He doesn't answer her. Helen wondering uh, what she is saying. Nick whimpers that he didn't do anything wrong. Now, one of the reasons why I think she couldn't like arrest him right then and there is because it's just a thought process of her. Right. She doesn't have any evidence to really. She knows, but she can't prove it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. She's just like, I know what you're doing. 
Yeah. You should stop now, but I know what you're doing. Uh, or I know what you did. Uh, Wallace Last wants summer. to understand how he pissed Billy Darley this badly, uh, or pissed off uh, Billy Darley this badly. Uh, reminding him that he asked for her help. He continues remaining silent. I plead the fifth. Um, she acknowledges telling him uh, to get through the night and be grateful that he's still alive. But if he started a war, then quote unquote, God help you. Man. She leaves out of the house. Helen whispering, quote, what have you done? End quote. Nick goes outside to follow Wallace, stopping her to ask, how does he make it stop? This part, she could have arrested him. Yeah. She was like, I'll show you how. Turn around, hands behind your fucking back. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha, bitch. <laughs> um, she questions if he started it. He drops his head before explaining that he doesn't care what happens to him. He just wants his family to be to st- be safe, wanting to stop this. She shares do, um, to do everything that Billy tells him to do, assuring him to not worry because he, uh, they have an APB on Billy and his gang. Not a good one, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Can't find him, huh? Later, oh, that's at the bar they're always at? Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Later that night, Nick is sitting uh, sitting on the stairwell, Helen coming coming up to him, wondering how he could, uh, could have done what he did, wondering if he could put justice in his own hands. He responds that he, that he lost their boy, switching it to you, lost your boy. She comes over to him, uh, massaging his face as, he, as she tells him uh, that he's a good father. And and nothing that happened changes that. She adds that she loves him and she will always love him. Kissing him, she stands up and he and he um as he still sits down, he pulls he pulls he pulls her in tightly, hugging her. They squeeze hands before she walks upstairs. Meanwhile, the two cops are sitting outside the house while Nick starts falling asleep on the stairs and Helen is in bed. They are awakened by the horn blaring outside. Nick gets up with his bat, um, looking out of the window to the cops both dead. <sighs> One of them still having the knife stuck in his throat, which I don't know if it was, but it kind of looked like the same knife that he killed uh, Joe with. Like, they used it. Yeah, like I don't know if they found the knife in the creek or anything, but like it kind of looked like it. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He flinches, not noticing one of the members inside of his house behind him. He moves around the corner, meeting Hecko, and he immediately starts beating him with a bat. I do love this. I love the fact that he does not waste any time. No. He's just like, fuck it. Boom, boom, This boom, home invasion scene is really great. This home Very invasion well is scary executed. shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it is terrifying. The other, the other comes around with uh, with the shotgun. Nick throws the bat at him before running upstairs. He fires a shot but misses Nick. He comes around firing again and misses and missing that one. I will admit though, I I don't know why this time around I did crack up on the scene, and I think it's because it reminded me of the scene <laughs> of Napoleon Dynamite when he's being chased by Uncle Rico and he's like about to like throw something at him and he finally does. He's like. Ah! <laughs> Nick runs inside the bathroom jumping in the tub to dodge another shot he runs over the, um, to Nick inside the tub Nick pulls the rug forcing him to shoot at the ceiling Heko comes in I love the fact that he uses his environment yes. um, Heko comes inside the, the bathroom firing a shot off at Nick but misses he, Nick slams the door on, on the gun forcing him to shoot his partner <laughs> Nick takes this opportunity to tackle him down the set of stairs and tackle him he did. 
God damn. While trying to regain his composure, uh, his family are being forced down the stairs. Luke and Helen scream as they are being dragged and thrown into the living room. Billy stands over them as Nick watches from the hallway. He takes out his gun and Nick runs over screaming, no, trying to get to his family. Billy shoots Luke, then Helen, and lastly Nick, who falls in the middle of his wife and son. The gang roll out, leaving the Humes on the floor, unfortunately. Nick is still alive. Cut to a saw-like transition of Nick waking up in the hospital uh, absolutely feral as he screams for <laughs> Helen and Luke. The doctors Aww. and nurses work to quickly subdue him as he fades back out. I do like that that saw-like transition, though. That, that shit's great. I wish he yeah. bring, brought those back. <laughs> That's fair. He might. Yeah. Maybe. For Aquaman 2. Yeah. <laughs> I'll probably watch it if he did that. But yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um. Anyway, though, it I, to go back to what you said about this particular scene being a really good scene. I agree. I agree that this scene is it's brutal. You can feel the impact of every shot. The shotgun looks vicious and like tears holes through the walls, and um, things progress really quickly. Mm-hmm. You can see him struggling, and you see the family freaking out, and then it just ends. Yeah, and they just end that family. Yeah, like nothing. They're like, we came in, we did our job, we're, we're out. Yeah. And then we leave straight to the hospital scene. It's like, yeah, it works. It's effective. It's really well done. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It, 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 it really sets up with, uh, of what's going to happen next. Yeah. So, yeah. He, wake up, he wakes up later, this time more calmly. He asks uh, the, the nurse if she can turn the beeping off. She jokes, asking if he's referring to the monitor or his heart, smiling as she'll ask, ask the doctor, it's like he's looking at her like, do I look like I'm fucking joking? Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, to like, like she leaves out um, past Wallace standing in the doorway. She tells him that um, that this stops right now, claiming that he's been giving a second chance. Mm. Letting him know that the officer out there is protecting him from himself. Willing, <laughs> it's like good because the last two didn't do shit. <laughs> right. uh, willing to take him uh, to jail. Whenever she gives the go-ahead, continuing the head. <laughs> go ahead, yeah. that's your job. You should have been doing this. <laughs> continuing that he wanted uh, retribution and killed a couple of thugs, buying him war, arguing that everyone thinks that they are the the um, every, everyone thinks that they are in the right um, when it is war. Yet everybody still died in the end. She tells him that nobody will win this. He weakly whispers that he killed his family. Um, she sighs, revealing that Luke is still barely alive. He asks where he is, getting up from the bed and ripping out the EKG, calling for Luke. Wallace allows him uh, to leave as he continues down the hall, asking the nurse where his son is. Now, if this was real life... He would be arrested immediately or put back in that bed, handcuffed. Well, that... But uh, they would I'm, not I'm, allow him to touch any nurses like that and I'm, ask where, like, where's my son? Yeah, and but, it's like, just let him. Like, no, what the fuck? Just let him. Yeah. Uh-uh. Uh, but what I'm talking about is the gang. Now, oh, okay. the gang... That too. The fact that they killed two cops... Yeah. They would have been fucking on All them, of them. Yeah. They would have been a manhunt by the, the whole... The wherever this town is, like, PD. Yeah. I don't know what town this is. But whatever this town is, the, the whole police department would be on their ass. All the police departments around the area. Yes. On their ass. 
She mm. demands for him to get mm-hmm. back in bed. She, he shakes her, demanding to see his son. That's enough for her. She shares the room number and he uh, <laughs> in that direction. Like, All right, crazy guy. <laughs> the doctor tries to stop him um, that they are taking care of his son. Wallace allowing him to pass through. He finds Luke in a coma and a head um, and a head in- injury, wondering if mm. he will uh, ever wake up. The doctor isn't able to say at this moment. Nick tells Wallace uh, that uh, that the equation was never going to balance, and sometimes it is just chaos. What? Uh, he asked for a minute <laughs> alone with Luke. She sighs, allowing allowing it, and closing the door, letting him know that uh, they will be waiting. He sits next to Luke, holding his hand, wondering if he can hear him, wanting him to move his finger if he can. He explains that he possibly didn't care about him as much as he did Brandon. But when Helen and him had Brandon... He was like a miracle kid, knowing exactly what to expect. But when Luke came along, he kind of expected to ha- have another Brendan, but he, he wasn't. He was much more like his mother, stubborn and too much passion. Like, this is a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, no, so you're saying like, yeah, we, we love the golden child. You were not it, but we still liked what we got. It's like, you're still cool. He kind of admits like, yeah, he was the golden child. You were not it. We were surprised by that. We thought we were going to get another golden child. We got you. Once You're again, cool too. this movie was written was like, like someone never had kids. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like this person didn't have kids and they didn't have siblings. Like that yeah. was, that was, that was like the, the main thing. So you're who, telling your dying child. It's like, yeah, you were not the golden child. Who wrote but this movie? Uh, Ian McKenzie Jeffers wrote the screenplay. Okay. What else and did he Brian do? Brian Garfield did the actual novel. Right. Uh, he, uh, so the guy who did the screenplay, Ian McKenzie Jeffers, um, the one I see that's the most recognizable is the Gray with Liam Neeson. Oh, uh, he had the Neesons. Okay, 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 okay. The, the Gray, gray was, was cool. Was the gray dope. was dope. Was gray was dope. Yeah. Gray was dope. Okay, yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Okay, he came back. He came back. Wolfpack. But yeah, it. Uh, I like that he came back. He came back. Okay, okay, okay. But the dialogue in this was, yeah, damn, not great. Not great. I will admit that. I will admit that. <laughs> he cries that Helen meant the world to him, and he and so does he. Wanting him, to, y'all both were stubborn and had too much passion, but I loved y'all about it. Uh, wanting him to know that he loves him and their family so much. He apologizes that he wasn't a better father, and he couldn't protect them. He kisses Luke's head as he sobs. He stops crying as he looks, and like, immediately. Like, he's yeah. like, it's gone. And and I think he does this in a way where it was like, I need to get rid of every emotion right now so I can make sure to do what I'm about to do next. Um, but he stops crying as he looks off in the distance with just pure vengeance in his eyes. Wallace looks inside the room's tiny window, noticing that Nick is no longer inside. She goes inside the room and the window in the bathroom is open. She cusses to herself before noticing that Luke is moving. She demands and yells for a doctor to get in there. Can I get a doctor in here? And they get in there and he's like, it's like, great. So he moved a finger. Yeah. Awesome. He's still, he's still in a coma. So like, <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Nick is walking around in slow motion, shivering in the rain, making it uh, to his house, opening the door and, and ripping off the caution tape. <laughs> they just got those nice little uh, melancholy harmonies happening sure um but yeah it's it's interesting um it's just to bring that level of melancholy to it i think that's all it really truly is but um 
but this is in all of them, right? Like this is in Saw, this is in Dead Silence, this is in this. So right. like this is something that just carried on inside of those three main James Wan uh, horror films. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's mainly the end tone that carries on, not these like um, not the harmony. It's the doom. Like it's mainly that portion that actually carries on to the rest of the films. The rest, yeah. So. Anyway, he looks at the side of where his of where his wife was slain. He goes inside the the kitchen, ch- um, changing his bandage and clothes, calling Owen to check uh, check a number for him. Cut to him um, at the bank, taking out the rest of his uh, rest of the money that he had inside of his accounts. Afterwards, he gets back into his car, popping some more painkillers, wincing at the pain uh, from his mouth. Um, Owen calls Nick back, letting him know that that it is from a bar called the Four Roses. He asks Nick what's going on or if he needs him to call someone. Nick tells him goodbye and hangs up the phone. Nick uh, shows up at the bar, walking past the patrons, and goes up to the bartender, asking for the whereabouts of Billy or his friends. The bartender tells him in Spanish that he doesn't fucking speak English. Um, Nick takes uh, takes out a wad of cash. The bartender repeats that he doesn't speak English in Spanish, questioning if he's if he's got it now, laughing as he speaks to someone else at the end of the bar in Spanish. Nick speaks in Spanish that, quote, maybe I chop off the piece of, that piece of shit of, uh, excuse me, let me redo that. Nick speaks in Spanish that quote, maybe I chop off that piece of shit head you call a head and send it to your mother. She'd recognize you, but I doubt it, boss. End quote. And that's one thing he kept calling him. He kept calling him boss. He was like, yeah. Hefe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is what Freddie calls me. Uh the bartender <laughs> tells him to fuck you. Tells him fuck you. Nick slams his head on the table. The patrons tells him uh to to break it up, but Nick just punches him with his left hand, knocking him straight on his ass, demanding the bartender to tell him where Billy is as he punches him in the face. The bartender I love how everyone's just allowing it. The bartender yeah. yells that he doesn't want he doesn't uh want Billy. Nick t- uh takes out more uh, cash grunting that he has business with him. The bartender agrees that he lets uh, and if he lets him go. He takes a lot of cash and reveals that Hecko is on 113 up the block, slapping his arm um, that he usually is hooking up around dinner time. Nick then asks about where he can buy some guns. Nick meets up with Bones as he as he's counting some money without looking up. Bones asks uh, if he can help him. Uh, he tells he tells Bones that he came there for, uh, from the four the four roses. Bones stands up, um, in an intimidating tone, guesses that he's far from home. Nick opens up the bag full of money. That's good enough for Bones, not allowing him to smell fear on him. Uh, on him, the that being for the enemy, fear mm. and bullets. He opens up his secret chamber full of guns and ammo. His chamber of secrets, uh, <laughs> taking uh, taking gun after gun. Take um take. Uh, talking them all up that any of them are bound to make them feel better about what whatever is bothering him. He's good like salesman. He's good like he had good lines. Oh yeah. Fucking yeah. John Goodman as Bones was fantastic. Yeah, I think it, it's probably his performance to be honest. I feel like it could have come off corny if it was from someone else. Oh for sure. Um but it's like yeah he knows how to deliver those lines with like seriousness. Mm-hmm. But also playfulness, like, hey, I'm a cool guy. I'm a gunslinger, you know, like, 
What do you got? I got I'm, this. I got I'm this. I'm a fun dad. <laughs> yeah. So what are you looking for? You got some back pain? I got the rat medicine for you, baby. I'll take it. Nick inspects the guns out. Oh, heavy. <laughs> Seeing which, which one feels best in his hands, he asks about the double-barreled. Bones grabs it and tosses it over to him. Nick, what if he was a back catcher? Uh, Nick catches it and immediately is <laughs> cut down the side. Goes off. <laughs> He um he points he points out that uh he points out the guns that he would like to take and I love this because he knows that he kn- knows nothing of what the fuck he's talking about. Yeah. Like he knows that like the guns that he's looking at he's just like he has no idea. He's probably never even held a gun before this guy. Oh yeah. Like he could tell. Uh that being 3 grand worth of killing, Nick hands him 5k. Quote, making him a preferred customer, end quote. Bones throw him some accessories because he was he has some uh, has a killing thing about him. Packing up all the guns inside of a bag and handing them over to Nick. Um, he, I will admit this was ASMR for me. Just like hearing like the the clicking and the clacking and things going uh, in the bag and the zip ties and shit like that. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and this I had a auditorial, on too, and I was like, wow, yeah, this is stimulating. Uh, he starts walking out. Bones grabs the rest of the guns and money, cocking the gun, asking if Nick is the motherfucker after his son, Billy. Oh, twist. Nick stops and turns around questioning if if he's his son. Bones putting two and two together, knowing that he's the one who killed his youngest, Joe. Hmm. Nick doesn't sugarcoat anything, agreeing that he's after him. Bones allows it, sitting the gun on the table, knowing that Billy is the one to pay for someone uh, that make themselves feel better. Hmm. Damn. Killing, killing him won't make any difference not wanting Nick to uh, to tell him about it, but just to go and do it, dad to dad, calling him patient and agreeing that he's a cash-paying customer. But he will kill him if he asks where Billy is, telling him to go with God and, and a bag full of guns. That was the one corner line. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Gotta have those 2001 like, go liners. with God. And with guns. Like, yeah. Mm, okay. <laughs> Gotta have those corner cor- the lines for there. I was like, sure. That's cool, that's cool. Yeah, yeah John Goodman. Great guy, great guy. <laughs> Maybe Nick makes it back. Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> Nick makes it. I don't know. Nick makes it good back actor, to his shed actor, uh, where he learns more about the guns and working his best to, uh, to perfect them. He loads them up and learns how he, how to cock them. Uh, he takes his bandage off his head and cuts the rest of his hair off while looking at himself in, in a broken shard from, uh, from a mirror. It bothered me so I don't know much why he did this. that he not that he shaved his head. But like never like fully shaved his head, so he has like patches of yeah. hair still on his head. I think like I think that was all uh, intentional. Yeah, it was like to have this like weird unhinged look. Yeah. Well, I like, think it was just to have him be unhinged. I just, just shave it all off. I don't know why Bob was like it's just imperfect. Like to shave it all off, please. But no. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, no, we're not going like, to do that. Uh, montage to him banishing himself, tending to his wounds, cutting his hair, and loading all the guns. Finally, he throws a black t-shirt and t- and ties his hands with a red bandana, going into uh, Britain's stuff to pull out his leather jacket. Before leaving out of the shed, he loads up the double barrel and and he's on his way. He cuts him going to the project building. He goes inside looking for 113. He finds it. He's about to knock, knock, but stops himself hearing Hecko laughing inside with a woman. He shoots through the door. Hecko and the woman get startled, quickly sobering up. He doesn't know if it's Nick right away, claiming that they uh, they fucking killed him. They look at the gun on the table. Nick shoots the table, causing Hecko to flinch. This is the first time he shot a gun. Yeah. And I love that you can tell because he's getting startled by his own shots. 
Nick runs over to him, taking out another gun and demanding the woman to get out of there. He steps on Hecko's hand, putting the gun to his cheek, causing, um, asking where Billy is. <clears throat> Uh, he doesn't tell Nick. He gets hit in the face with a gun and, and drags <laughs> uh, to the couch, complaining about him busting his tooth as Nick yells for him to tell him where Billy is. He gargles that he's at the, at the office. Nick needs more details of um on what that is. Heckle reveals that it's an abandoned mental hospital sharing the location. Nick tells him to call Billy, throwing his, his phone to his chest. Billy finishes a cell when Hecko calls him up. He answers the phone, calling him a, sand, a sandbagging son of a bitch, and this is the second time of, of this week that he had to cover for his ass, end quote. Hecko uh, screams out to Billy that the fucker didn't die. Billy doesn't understand what he's talking about. Hecko tells him that Nick um, says that he's sentenced. Billy responds with, so what? Uh, Nick responds, so, so this, this, motherfucker. <laughs> Before blowing Hecko's head right off, Billy flinches from hearing the gunshot in the phone. Bones drives up to him, asking him uh, what, they, what they are up to that night. Or tonight, Billy demand, uh, demands him to get uh, to get off of him. Bones Sharon that he uh, had to tell Nick that he he gets to have him just so he could uh, can get off his back, shouting as he asks if he thinks that he enjoys that. Adding that he doesn't get get that he cares what happens to him because it can hurt him. Asking him if he needs any any more fucking instructions, Billy responds by shooting him in the eye, telling him no. Thanks, and I'm taking the car. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Why not? Yeah, fuck yeah. Hell We're here. Yeah. We're here. Third Nick act, Ra- baby. Third <laughs> act. Ugh. It, it, is, it almost feels like a different movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is. <laughs> like, this feels like John Wick. Yeah. Like, this, this was great. Nick grabs Hecko's keys and leaves out of the apartment, um, taking his car to the next spot. Spink sparks a cigarette before hopping on, um, hopping on in the fa- in the van. Uh, Nick waits outside the gates, flooring it through, gunning straight to Spink's van. He notices of trying to grab his gun, but Nick hits him and fucking slices that car like metallic butter. Yeah, it just splits in half. I'm like, hmm, okay. <laughs> Why not? Sure. Why not? Yeah. Why the fuck not. You know what I'm saying? He's done crazier shit in yeah. Fast Seven. At least Michael Bay or Furious Seven. Like whatever. explosions didn't happen, which is great. Yeah. yeah. No, nothing happened. It just split in half. Yeah, it was like a knife. That car was yeah. a knife. And it still worked. <laughs> the car still worked after that. He gets he gets out uh, and heads inside the building, searching for his next victim. He hears someone shouting out upstairs and heads up there with uh, with his with his gun already cocked. They they yell for dog to find find him and get him. He runs out straight to a gunshot to his leg, ripping <laughs> it off before getting shot in the chest and sent flying backwards. They start firing at Nick as he hides and reloads. Once they are all out of bullets and turn back around to reload, it's Nick's turn. He shoots all the chemicals in the glasses behind them. Um, the gang, the gang members scream in pain as acid spills onto him. Nick reloads the guns, hunting, wailing, um, t- uh, wailing toward him as the member grabs another pump action shotgun. 
Nick fires at him, but misses as he claims that he's going to kill Nick. He follows the member into another room as he tries escaping out of the window, but he can't get it open. Nick catches him, helping him out by blasting him through the window instead. He continues his hunt, about to go through a door, but he's stopped in his tracks when someone fires at the doorway. He gets behind the wall, grabbing out his handgun, coming out and firing for cover as he moves to the stairs. They chase after him, Bodhi yelling for them to not allow him to get away. They shoot, they shoot at him, going up the stairs, but misses. Uh, he fires back at them, hitting another one. While reloading his gun, they look at... They they look up through the hole in the railing. Nick immediately looks over the edge and fires back down. Wooden shrapnel propels in one of the gang members' face as he screams in pain. Meanwhile, Billy makes it there and heads inside. Nick up- makes it upstairs where, quote-unquote, welcome to hell is spray-painted on the door. He moves around, hiding behind the wall and reloading his gun as, um, as he keeps moving. Bodhi and the other member make it up there, Bodhi commanding him to go in a different direction. They cautiously search for him as the light flickers overhead. Nick methodically methodically walks around the room as one of them uh, says that he's going to die in here billy is firing is inside finding his crew in literal pieces downstairs back upstairs they continue moving in search for uh, for each other nick steps on the shard of glass revealing his location behind a wall the member turns around to um to fire at the wall but nick sees his shadow on the other on on the wall behind him <laughs> why not sure why the fuck not because you know like his shadow would go through that wall to a different it wall. was technically at a door and the light fixture was pointed at him but i still say like bullshit but why the oh, fuck not 100 percent. why the fuck not you know but this saying? shot Let's this kill wild. was great this kill's amazing um, we would yeah. have gotten the this POV and, and the camera like zooms into the hole so where he shot cool. through and stuff like that too. It's almost giallo alike the oh, way yeah. that works. He ducks right in time, firing twice as he is kneeled down, connecting his shots <laughs> through the through the wall. So fucking. Let's do it. Let's fucking get it. Let's just go nuts. He throws his gun on the ground as Billy makes his way up there. Nick enters inside the chapel. Um, turning around when he hears something, Billy comes through the other side, immediately shooting him in the back. Nick turns around and starts shooting back, connecting some of his shots. Shooting off Billy's fingers, Bodie comes in the room and shoots Nick in the neck. Nick turns around and shoots him in the, in the head. While holding his neck, he turns back around and unloads the clip at, at Billy on stage. He sits down in the, on the pew, dropping his gun and holding his neck. <clears throat> Billy continues firing but misses um, his shot sitting next to Nick. He exhales fr- uh, from his wounds while he looks at Nick, groaning that he looks just like them. Tears mm. fall from his eyes as he says uh, for him to look look what he made Nick. Nick pulls, pulls out his last gun, placing it on his lap as they look at each other, cocking the hammer back, asking Billy if he's ready. I fucking love that line. Yeah, that that closing line for me was just like icing on the cake from this whole fucking third act fiasco. Yeah, for me, I was just like, God, it's like, are you ready damn. to end this? Fuck, this dude, like that that line. I was like, that was perfect. That wasn't that was the bow I needed. He looks down, exhaling and accepting his fate. Cut to Nick stumbling out of the operation house in the morning. He pulls up to his house, parking on the lawn as the cops pull up. He he sits on his couch, watching his family's home videos and allowing his wounds to consume him. Wallace comes inside the house. Excuse me. Um, with uh, with her gun drawn, she notices notices him sitting on the couch. She p- tells him she tells him that his son started moving, and she thinks he's going to uh, pull through. 
He looks up at her before turning his attention back at the home video of his family to grieve one last time before maybe dying. We don't know. Because then mm, credits. credits. Man. This movie's fun, man. Like I, I have a lot of fun with this movie. And you yeah. know, I think I think it, it, it if someone wants to be a James Wan completionist, definitely add this one to your list. Oh, for sure. For sure. Like just yeah. just to say that you watched them. There's there's a lot to enjoy in it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I agree. Um, you know, because at this point James Wan has um has directed uh fifteen projects and you know, that's that's a lot. It's a good amount, yeah. yeah in twenty years, that's huge. that's pretty great. You know, so uh, more than that, I think it's like twenty three years now. Um, if we're including uh, uh, Stygian, mm. however you pronounce that name, um, but if you're including that, you know, that's that's twenty three years. But Saw is uh, uh, well, the short for Saw is two thousand three, but Saw came out in two thousand four. But Saw will be twenty years in. 20 years old and like next year so that's crazy you know it's wild pretty wild to, to even think that and consider it's a great that director but, to follow yeah absolutely you know and and he, he's one of those directors that also i find he, he just has fun yeah you could tell he has fun directing yeah according he to the fact with him he's the 20th most highest top grossing director out there right now right and he didn't even try to be yeah exactly that's the thing like he didn't try to be he was just like a, a fucking dude who made a, a, a college project was just like we should turn this to a movie they got funding they did it it was a fucking smash hit so they made a franchise yeah Boom. for real he made three accidental franchises three the conjuring saw and insidious yeah I don't think he intended for new any of those in. to be franchises. <laughs> and I'm sure he's producing all of them, too. Oh, yeah. Or the majority of them. I mean, because they're all biatomic. Yeah. So, you know. Like, they made Slot with only $1.2 million. That's it. Yeah. And gross worldwide, $103 million. Yeah. Goddamn. 100% of your return, or 100 Wait, whatever the math. A yeah. hundred times your budget. Yeah. That's crazy. The return was wild on that shit, man. Yeah. Return was wild. But yeah, I would love to talk to him one day. I would oh, love yeah. to, I'm I would sure love we to will. do it. Like you know, like he he just he seems like he would be a lot of fun to just chat with about movies and just nerd the fuck out. Oh, for sure. He just seems like he would just be so much fun to nerd out with. Anyway, I have a few movie facts, I think, for this. A movie. few movie facts, I think. <gasps> um as we mentioned earlier, based on the book Death Sentence, um, which it was actually Death Wish, uh, the direct sequel uh, to the novel to Death Wish, which in itself was made into uh. a movie, Death Wish in 1974, starring Charles Bronson. The 1974 ver version spawned four sequels, none of which were influenced by the novel series. The author, Brian Garfield, was disliked and does not care for each of the sequels due to how it departs for, from his original character and themes in the book. Hmm. Interesting. Um, despite the deviations from the novel, Brian um, Garfield was uh, extremely happy with the film and praised it for understanding and making the central theme very clear. There you go. There you go. He liked it. Guess that helps. Um, <laughs> I. That was mainly it. The rest are, are kind of whatever. Um, but. Let us know what you think about Death Sins because we definitely want to keep this conversation going. You can let us know either on our Discord, which is going to be inside of our show notes. Got a lot of fun in there. 
a lot of community vibes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so go ahead and join that if you want to talk more just with some more fans of, of Nightlight and horror films in general. Or you can head over to our Twitter and we could chat over there at Nightlight underscore pod. That's not with a K. But the next film that we will be discussing has not yet been picked by our patron, our patrons over on patreon.com slash nightlightpod. So we actually got to wait and see. I have no idea what we're going to what we're gonna talk about next week, so it's going to be a surprise. Our Ghoulish Knights will be selecting that for us, which I'm very excited about. Should we say what the options are? No. No? Okay. No, let's not. Okay. Let's just I don't know either of these two movies, so I'm excited. Great. You'll like, you'll like them. <laughs> but this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. Alongside me, we had Freddy. Always keeping it poopy. Always and forever, also known as Nighty Night. With your help, we can reach more Ghoulish Nights with your recommendation to someone who would actually enjoy the show. If your podcast app allows you to rate our show, consider giving us a five-star rating, as it honestly does help us out a ton. For extra horror-related content, head over to patreon.com slash nightlightpod. That's not for the word. Okay.